This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Bill Owens for Mayor. Remember, Owens always wins. My name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's an Urban Legends week on Pod Cemetery with 2000's Final Cut and 2005's Bloody Mary. Final Cut recommended to us by Chickapedia. And Bloody Mary, just so we can round it out. <laughs> yeah. Finish the Urban Legends franchise. Although there was supposed to be a fourth one. I guess it never got uh, made. I guess not. Well, I don't know. There wasn't. There's not a lot of uh, franchise cohesion here. Let's get started right away with our first recommended film, 2000's Urban Legends Final Cut, with characters by Silvio Horta, written by Paul Harris Boardman and Scott Derrickson, and directed by John Ottman, starring Jennifer Morrison, Matthew Davis, Hart Bachner, Loretta Devine, Ansem Mount... Joey Lawrence, Eva Mendez, and Anthony Anderson. John Ottman is known for being a composer, actually not a director. This is his only film directing credit, aside from a Vivaldi biopic that's in pre-production right now. <laughs> uh, however, he is pretty prolific when it comes to composing music for films. Uh, interestingly, he composed the music for Superman Returns, X-Men 2, and X-Men Apocalypse, and I'll tell you why that's interesting a little bit later. Scott Derrickson, uh, one of the writers, also wrote the Sinister movies, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, Doctor Strange, and the new Black Phone. Mm. Are you interested in seeing that? I have not seen the trailer for it. You haven't? With no. Ethan Hawke as the villain? I don't think so. Yeah, it's like uh, Ethan Hawke, he, he kidnaps kids. And um, he locks him in a room and he has this weird like devil mask on it with a smile or whatever. Aww. And he like locks him in this room and there's this black phone in the room. But the kid who's currently kidnapped like hears the voice of previously kidnapped kids like talking to him, trying to help him. Interesting. Why does that sound so familiar? I don't know. At least that's what I remember. I don't know. The ghosts of killed kids. That's uh, like helping current kids that's uh devil's backbone i mean it's also Coraline, but like there's, there's oh yeah something uh -huh. specifically where they're talking on the phone i don't remember i'll have <laughs> to look it up yeah well he, he uh wrote that as well kelsey can you tell us what urban legends final cut is all about it is another serial killer that commits uh murders based on Urban Legends, and I like the connection to the first movie. I like that she hears it from the security guard from the first film. Yes, it is directly related insofar as Loretta Devine is playing the same character, now working at a different campus, tells the story, it's in-universe. However, the Urban Legends tie-in is just that our main character happens to be making a movie about a killer who kills related to urban legends. And that's where the real life killer does his work 
the real life killer doesn't care about urban legends at all. That's not true. Think about the first death. Which is seems completely unrelated to the rest of them. <laughs> I know it's not. We've, we've, I, I, we had to remember after the fact and you reminded me. But yeah, it's weird. I believe it is related to urban legends because the serial killer is trying to bl- put the blame on someone else. And that's why they decide to kill with urban legends. Okay, now that's fair. Uh, the movie is available with ads on Tubi. You can rent it for $3 on Amazon and Vudu or $4 on other services. And you can buy it for $13. Kelsey, should people watch Urban Legends Final Cut? I would. I enjoyed myself. (laughs) If you typically agree with me, then yes. Here's the thing. I was shocked looking back at what we gave the first Urban Legend movie. Did I make it really low? I thought I gave it a mid-score. You did give it a mid-score. I liked it a lot. Uh, when we reviewed it, but it's possible the Rotten I... Tomatoes was 19. Oh my god! Yeah. You gave it a 60. Yeah. I gave it a 40. You suck. I'm surprised. There's no way I liked this one more than I liked the first one. Because... It's weird, a little bit of sneak peek about our next movie, the quality of the Urban Legends franchise goes down in increments from <laughs> one to the next. This movie is not as good as the first one, and it's not as well made as the first one. Whoa. The next movie is not as good as either of the previous two, and the quality is also not as high. So, like, I don't know, it... Third movie's garbage. I don't know what I... I guess we should go back and listen to that episode, because I don't know why I would have disliked it so much that I gave it a 40. Maybe I just didn't like Rebecca Gayhart as the killer. I don't know. I don't remember. It's been so long. It's just my favorite UL. Just my favorite UL. But anyway, I love that she makes a comeback. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get there. So good. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would say the same thing. Like, I wouldn't say that I liked the movie. But I'm, I think I liked it better than the first one. <laughs> it is. It's a little low rent. I mean, compared to the first one, which felt like somebody's heart was in it. Um, <laughs> I thought somebody's heart was in this. I thought the main chick did a great there job. There are some fun, cool things, I will say, in this movie. There are some fun, cool things in the next movie, too. No, there aren't. There are. And you, you will just have to remind you, there are things that you thought were cool. That's so not true. I like one character. You you explicitly told me you liked this thing. Okay. Uh, but this has more. That has very few. This has more. Power to the people. Power to the people. Free Angela Davis. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I mean, you can. Sure. I don't see any harm in it. You know, if you want to watch something for an hour and a half, it's one of those, you know. If you just want to put something on, I wouldn't say it's bad, but it's certainly not good. I liked it. (laughs) I enjoyed myself. Right. I wouldn't say I walked away from this movie saying I had a bad time. I think it's fun. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. You could take our advice such that it is or leave it. When we get back, we'll talk about 2000's Urban Legends Final Cut. I got a good story. Yeah, it's about a campus serial killer who murders eight students. Urban legends. They had this like creature on the wing of the plane. We've all told them. True story, right? We've all heard them. Ah! Oh, God. Oh, God. Freddy! Freddy! 
There's no Jamie Lee Curtis, right? But these students are daring. Urban Legends, scene six, take two. To film them. The movie is about a serial killer whose murders are all based on urban legends. That's pretty cool. Now. It's a tradition during finals week. At the stroke of midnight, everyone screams. Someone is turning legends. But at the same time, a co-ed is brutally attacked. Into reality. Dude, that looks so real. Not enough blood. You don't think it was real? OJ left more blood than that on the Bronco. Paranoia. Wrong man accused. How the lines blur between fantasy and reality. It's just an urban legend. Urban legend, my ass. Urban legends. Final cut. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does final cut begin? With so they decide to slowly spell out urban legends too. Uh huh. And they start with U L two. Did you catch that? I did not. I did. Here's the problem. It's also not Urban Legends 2. It's Urban Legend 2. Is it? Yeah. It's Urban Legend is the name of the first movie. This is Urban Legends. So it's like, they wouldn't oh, say... Oh, the second one. Yeah. Urban Legend, Urban Legends. Final like Cut. Alien and Aliens. Yeah. But they wouldn't say it's Aliens 2. They would say it's Alien 2 or it's Aliens. One or the other. You don't get both. Did they put the Alien two? Three is Aliens Two in the intro? You said U L Two. Oh yes, in the in the on the screen. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if they did in the actual uh, title. No, no. In the actual title, it's just Urban Legends Final Cut. Right. Mm-hmm. So remember, this movie is all based on a group of college seniors and a couple of kids that are younger, but in college. Making movies. So the yeah, whole in a first film scene is just them put making a movie. A student film. So the fact that the student film is bad should not be held against this movie. Right. And it is supposed to be bad. Right. You are supposed to think that she is doing a bad job of acting. Right. This guy is not supposed to be a good director. Right. He's a terrible person. Yes. And so here's my problem with it, though, when movies do this. They show you an entire opening scene. Yeah. And then right when the action's about to, somebody gets killed or somebody's about to get killed, you find out, cut! Run! I see the boom mic in the shot! Get it out of the shot! Or like, who missed their cue? You know, like that sort of thing. It's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. It's just so, a movie within a movie the entire time. Except for the fact that that's just very specifically not how movies are shot. They are shot, shot by shot. They are not shot scene by scene. You do not film an entire scene in order like that unless it's just dialogue. You're going to get, like, most of the time it's single camera. It's not multiple cameras catching multiple angles. You shoot the same exchange over and over and over again until you got all the coverage you need. And then you move on to the next exchange over and over and over again. And a lot of times, not in order. You film on the sets that you have and you get everything done in the set that you have with the actors that you have. And that you will see explicitly the cockpit set is standalone. They yes. don't have the cabin of the airplane there. So where was that filmed? I know it's I know it's pedantic, but like it no, takes me out every time. It's true. You don't get to see where where did all of the extras go? That right. were all there pretend like acting. And he's right, there are cuts. 
throughout because you mm-hmm. go from one woman talking to the guy next to her that you at first think are going to be your main characters. Yeah. Then you meet the blonde. Right. And in reality, those these sets of actors, their exchanges probably wouldn't even be filmed on the same day. Yeah. And it wouldn't make it. Yeah. It, where are these cuts coming from? We also see them go into a bathroom. Yeah, that's that would be a different physical location where they film that. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're 100% right. But it's fun. It's fun. Sure. And and we have the Mile High Club exchange. So they go to do the mile and very obvious. Oh, he's not feeling very well, which is funny. And then a woman who looks like Linda McMahon just glares at them. As they're going to the bathroom. <laughs> also, the serial killer in this movie, ha- in this student film, uh-huh. has a billion knives. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like a bunch of knives are just sticking out of people. Yes, just all left over. And, and I thought it was fun to make it seem like a bad student film. Yeah. There's a bad oral sex joke because he's going down on her in the bathroom when she notices in blood written on the mirror. You're going down. You're going down. <laughs> Uh huh. And you're like, really, movie? And then, no, you figure out, no, it's the movie within the movie, and this guy's an asshole. He would do something like that. Yes. He gets a pass, right? Yes. But the point is, is that this woman is a terrible actress. And we meet all of our principal characters here. Do you want to go over our principal actors and actresses? Yes. Okay. So we have our main character, Amy Mayfield, played by Jennifer Morrison. She was Dr. Cameron in House, and she was. Emma Swan in Once Upon, in a, Once time. Upon a Time. Because for some reason, she, Chris liked her on House? House. Are you kidding me? Yes. Straight guys and lesbian women or whomever <laughs> who watched House, back me up. Absolutely, 100%. I think she's gorgeous on Once Upon a Time. Sure, but she's hot on House. <laughs> Um, that's our main character. What she do you think about her? She is doing the sound for this movie. And I thought that was interesting that, like, everybody has to do all the different uh, classes. She rolls the sound, which is why I think she's, like, an AD or a script supervisor or somebody like that. Because she's sitting down at the desk. She's got the script in front of her. She tells them when to roll sound. She's not – she's giving commands. So she might be a, a an assistant director or whatever. Mm. We have the director. The director, Toby, played by Ansem Mount. Who is really upset because he's like, she couldn't act if her life depended on it. And he tells her, I will kill you if you don't get it right. Yes. They really want you to think that it's him for a while. Yes. Ansem Mount, you might recognize as he's the Black Bolt in the Inhumans series that Marvel tried to get off the ground. Nope. Which didn't do very well, so I'm not surprised you don't know that. Mm -hmm. We have the actress, Sandra, played by Jessica Caulfield. Who we know from... Legally Blonde? White Chicks? Yes, Legally Blonde. That's how I know her. There we go. She's her friend. Yeah. We have... Whoa! Whoa. Joey Lawrence playing Graham Manning. I'm sorry, Kelsey, you gave me a look. Do you not know who Joey Lawrence is? I recognized him. Okay. Do you know the current hosting controversy for Jeopardy? Yeah. Where one of the hosts, Mayim Bialik, she was on the Big Bang Theory for years. She's What's-His-Face's girlfriend on the show. Jim Parsons' girlfriend on the show. Sheldon. 
Did not watch when he had a girlfriend. Anyway, it's crazy to me that you don't know her because <laughs> she is Blossom from the show Blossom. I didn't watch that show. Where Joey Lawrence played her brother famously. Like, he would wear a white t-shirt, a black leather jacket, and a flannel shirt tied around his waist wearing jeans with holes in the knees. He was like... You know, all the gel in his hair, and he was the 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 sexy brother, and he was an idiot. And you'd always go, whoa, whoa. I don't remember. No? no I never Did saw that. Did that pass you oh, by? There are only four years between you and I. I don't know. And you that. missed that entirely? It was also on network television, which I imagine you didn't watch a lot of because you had cable <laughs> growing up. <laughs> The name sounds very familiar. He resorted to doing movies with, like, Melissa Joan Hart. Like, those kind of movies where they're always paired up together. But anyway, he's the Dick Graham. Yeah. Then there's Ava Mendez, who plays the boom mic operator. Yes, Ava Mendez, or Mrs. Ryan Gosling. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes, she is the mother to his two children. Oh. She plays a lesbian in this movie. She does. Yes. They really want you to know she's a lesbian. Oh, I'm still looking at Blossom. Yeah, hold on. I'm still looking at Blossom. Whoa. And the long-haired blonde guy with the glasses. Oh, and the two uh, special effects guys. Yeah, so the two special effects guys are Michael Bacall playing Dirk. He would actually, he's probably more known for being a writer. He wrote Scott Pilgrim. Um, That's cool. Yeah. And then, of course, Anthony Anderson as Stan. This is a little baby boy, Anthony Anderson. He is so young in this. (laughs) Obviously, before he got much more prolific. You probably know him from Blackish now. Okay. But he's been in a lot of things. But, you know, he'd be that name or that face that you'd recognize. And then he was in Blackish, and it, like, you know, him and, um, Tracy Ellis Ross, Diana Ross's daughter, are the stars of that show, Mm -hmm. and it's, like, huge. I don't know the guy, the weird guy. There's also a weird guy who just wants to be there on set and help out because he's not a student because he couldn't get in. Yeah, he's been denied, like, four times. Uh So, again, this is their spring semester of their senior year. So, everybody is competing with their final thesis film yes, to earn themselves the Hitchcock Award. Some people have already turned in their film. Some people haven't even submitted a script yet. Yes. Now, you might be thinking if it's Hitchcock, it must it must have to be horror. It does not. It can be any type of film. That's why it's a little bit weird that it's the Hitchcock Award, but yeah. whatever. Yes, exactly. But it's if you win it, supposedly it means that you automatically are going to make a movie in Hollywood. It's very prestigious. Yes. So everyone is vying for that. Hey, hey, Kelsey, can you tell me who is telling the audience about this award that they should already know about, but they need to tell them because the audience needs to know about it? Who is telling this? Yeah, I don't know why they're having this big meeting Right. With, like, just the people we I know. I think it's because they're sort of, like, announcing the new semester. They got a new teacher there. No, like, there's a lot of students. Oh, there are? Yeah, and then the nerd, the geek guy is up in the rafters. Yeah, he always He knows he always everything. Is. He's following along with the names that they mentioned of the prestigious Hitchcock Award winners, all of that. But who is the person speaking on stage? 
One of their teachers. It's Professor Solomon, played by Hart Bachner, Hans Bubby. Yes, I figured that out like halfway through the movie. I was like, why do I know this guy? He's Ellis from Die Hard. Yeah. Ellis, tell him we don't know each other. (laughs) John, how can you say that after all these years, huh? That's all I can think about. And there is one shot later on, I marked it down, where he looks like Ellis. That's probably where I figured it out. Uh-huh. It's like, oh my god, he's like sitting in a chair and he's got a look on his face. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's Ellis. <laughs> if they win the award, a $15,000 stipend and a springboard to Hollywood success. Yes. <laughs> I think it's the new teacher is kind of goofy and he's oh, like, yeah. action. And he like holds the camera. It's the Super 8 teacher. He's teaching yeah. the Super 8 yes. class. Yes, action. And like the other teachers give a look. It's pretty funny. There's some famous old actor who's on stage and he's falling asleep. Yes. He never comes up again. No. So we are going to see our main star. Amy. Amy. And she is walking in the cold night. Night. All by herself, across campus, like it couldn't be more dangerous. To the library. And? Loretta Devine picks her up. Reese. Remember, she's from the first film, Mm -hmm. as we said. And this is where she is going to tell her about what happened. It's so funny. Because she's just like, I don't know what to do my movie about. And she's like, I got a story. Yes, she says that. I got a good story. Never mind the fact that it really fucking happened and you're just telling this girl to make a movie about these people's lives. Right. Well, she says, oh, yeah, that's just an urban legend, though. And she's like, no, it really did happen. What she explains is they tried to cover it up, which is why nobody believes that it really happened. She wouldn't go along with the cover up. And so they fired her and it took her a long time to find another job. But she finally did. And at first, I think. Are they trying to set it up to where we think she's the killer? No. Because she's so bitter? I never thought that. But, okay, of course, I never thought she was the killer, but I was thinking, are we, is the movie supposed to want us to think that she's the killer? I don't know. Well, what's funny is that you said you figured this killer out right away. Yes, right away. Which is funny, because I figured out the uh, the killer in Bloody Mary right away, and you were all over the place of who you thought was the killer. You're like, oh, is it this person? Is it this person? I don't remember. We just watched that. And I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they also bond over their love of Foxy Brown. And Pam Greer. Pam Greer. I've always been partial to Foxy Brown. That's my sister, baby. And she's a whole lot of woman. (laughs) We find out very importantly that Reese loves Pam Greer so much, her gun has gold accents on it. Yes. I had a class last semester where we saw Pam Greer and she had this film where she hides a gun inside a lion that looks just like that. Coffee. Right. Yeah, that's one of my favorite films of hers. (laughs) (laughs) I even have my gun trimmed in gold like hers. Look at that. (laughs) The bottom of the clip, the screws in the grip, those are all gold. Is that important? It is. That's how she figures That's it how out? Amy knows that she's holding a gun with real bullets and not a prop gun later on. Got it. Got it. So now Amy knows exactly what she's going to do her movie on. She immediately goes to Professor Solomon to tell him about her idea. Oh, this is this is it. This is it here. He says just like Hitchcock and he gives off strong Ellis vibes when he does it. <laughs> but... I should have figured it out because immediately after this scene, we see the first kill. 
Yes. But I did not put two and two together. I just hate that they have a conversation where she explains, oh, I want to do it about this premise. Mm-hmm. And he asks her, horror? And she goes, more like suspense. And it's just like, no. A horror movie's not a horror movie without suspense. Right. But a suspense movie can be a suspense movie without horror. Right. But she was just talking about a serial killer right. killing with yes. urban legends. Uh-huh. And they're going to show a gutted dog and, like, we know the kills that they're doing. Yeah. It's definitely a horror movie. Blood. It is not a suspense movie. Thank you. <laughs> not at all. But, you know, there's just this aversion to wanting to make a horror movie. Uh-huh. All right. So the very next scene is where we're going to meet a new main character. There is a bar scene where we hear live's dolphins cry. Whew. This is so, okay. Huge live fan growing up. Love throwing copper. Secret Samadhi came out. And I was like, okay, sure, there's some good stuff on here. And then their album after that, I don't even remember the name of it. There's Dolphin. Like, the line in the song is, Can you hear the dolphins cry? Like, it's like, oh my god, what are you doing? (laughs) This is a tragic song that they played on the radio. (laughs) And this is coming from a guy who was a huge live fan at the time. Okay, but you said a new main character that we're meeting. Who is this main character, Kelsey? Travis? This is... Travis. Travis. Who will transform into Trevor later. Trevor, which is not confusing at all. Travis and Trevor. Travis is a softer name, so that's what will help me remember that. I don't know why Travis is softer than Trevor, but it is. Okay. Maybe it's the sibilant end. I prefer Travis to Trevor myself. Sure. But to me, it's a softer, lighter name than Trevor. Er versus ah versus eh. You know, like, you, you hear me? You hear what's happening right now? <laughs> um, what we'll need to know. So Travis will be the one who Amy actually really likes. Oh, she'll she'll actually really like Trevor immediately. But later, that happens nope. next. It Instantaneously. Happens, I know, but it, it's that that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> the one she's going to school with is Travis. It's, it's so silly. Yeah, it is. Okay, this is some soap opera level shit. <laughs> There's a guy, he's gonna die, and then his fucking, twin. his twin brother comes back and they need to solve his murder, and... And she can fall in love with this one and, now. Yes, and it's super melodramatic, like super melodramatic. Anyway. So he is having a drink <laughs> with his main actress of yes. the film that he has finished for he his He has thesis. finished it. And they're having a drink, just celebrating before she goes back to California. Oh, yeah. She's on, she's going off on a trip after this night. So no one will wonder where she is. Exactly. That's never been done before. The person tries to drug both Travis and the woman. Yes. But it only it's only successful on the woman. Both drinks that they order get drugged, but Travis doesn't drink his. Much like what happens in Urban Legend 3. Yes. Yes. So, I think there's lots and lots of connections between 2 and 3. But, but they're, not they're superficial connections. Between 1 and 3. Right. Mm-hmm. But anyway. We also see Toby here. He's a dick. Oh, yeah, Toby, like, tries to hit on her, and she uses him for his money. Oh, well, then you can pay for my drinks, and then leaves. Yeah, uh uh-huh. So she gets abducted because she, of course, starts to pass out from the drugs. 
And what happens to her? She wakes up in a bathtub full of ice with her kidney missing. Yep, that's a famous That's a famous legend. UL. Oh, just my favorite UL. <laughs> um, she wakes up. She tries to call 911 and 911 hangs up on her. Because they don't believe her. Uh-huh. I've heard that a million times or whatever it is that she says. 911, please state your emergency. I just woke up in a tub, tub of ice. Don't tell me. Your kidney's gone. Yes. Listen, honey, I got Princess Di I'm riding for. I gotta go. What? And you respond a million and one. Like, come on. Yeah. What's that? It happened recently. There was a case where, like, a 911 operator hung up on the caller because they were being rude to them. Mm-hmm. And that, then that person ended up getting fired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, believable. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so, she tries to get out the window, but there's a dog. Mm-hmm. And then we see the killer is wearing the fence mask. That's how they're going to... The fencing mask, yeah. Make it so you cannot see who the killer is. It's just a pretty clever concept, I think, putting them in a fencing mask. I guess. Sure. Sure. It covers it up from all angles. I don't know. I like it. It's fine. But yeah, as as he tries to pull her back in, she's going to grab onto the window and rip off the bottom of the window. I thought this was very effective and graphic. Yeah. Um, grabbing her in her wound. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. To stop her from getting away. Her grabbing onto the broken window and then getting her head chopped off with the window. Because he slams the window down on her and the broken window cuts her head off. Yeah. I thought it was very effective. I thought this uh-huh. whole sequence was well done. Sure. And nobody will miss her because she's gone on a trip to California. Amy decides to tell her friend or friends. I don't know. She's talking to some people about her plan. And she has decided that the next scene she's going to, the first scene she's going to do is where everybody screams at midnight and someone is killed at that time. Nobody hears it because everyone's screaming as a cathartic release is her plan for this scene. Right. Which we've seen in plenty of films. Uh Not that exact idea but that you know we're at a carnival where everyone's screaming or everyone's at a party and everyone's screaming like all that kind of stuff we've Uh seen that before she's explaining to the students who will be her crew yes you know because everyone sort of works on everyone else's movies right you you recruit people to work on your movies because they need the credits She's going to go and visit Travis. We are going to see a little bit of a back and forth between the two of them. He is working on his film. Editing it. Editing it. Mm -hmm. And she asks him to look at her script. But he says, I'm finishing this. It'll have to wait till Tuesday. Yeah. And it's so funny because when she's she's trying to like flirt with him because she's very into him. And she's like, okay, I'll call. On the phone. And, uh-huh. like, you can tell, like, the look on her face, like, oh, my God, did I just say that? <laughs> well done. I liked that. When we find out about the blonde guy who uh, has tried to get in three times, uh-huh. we hear about him through Joey Lawrence, because he is Joey Lawrence's lackey, basically. Yeah, because uh-huh. he's willing to contribute anything just to be around these people, you know, be at a film school, learn by osmosis, and Joey Lawrence is an asshole, and he's going to take advantage of that. And Joey Lawrence does have connections. Yes, because Hollywood. His he's he's a Hollywood kid. Yes, his family knows people or is people. He's also going to later confront Amy about it too and her connections to the industry. What I thought was interesting is that she goes, she says to him. Hey, cell phones give you cancer. So, yes, it's funny because, yes, there was a time, everyone, mm-hmm. when only a few people had cell phones. Yes, uh-huh. But she, he's on the cell phone. She goes, that gives you cancer. And he goes, urban legend. <laughs> and it's like, 
Had cell phones been a lot around long enough to have an urban legend about them? Sure, yeah. But anyway, it's true. We're all going to have cancer. We're all going to have cancer in our bones <laughs> and our brains. As she's telling more of the people, she does tell those two special effects guys. Yeah, and at one point, Anthony Anderson gets, like, told off or whatever, and he's going to leave, and he and he says, let's go play hopscotch. Hey, Travis Stark. Film genius. What are you doing? Oh, we were just looking for her. She was looking for you through the window. I think she was trying to get her Mac on. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Sorry. Let's go play hopscotch. <laughs> That does happen at some point. I thought uh, it was a joke. Oh, uh, yeah, but what? Is that a reference to something? Like, what's going on? I don't remember. But in this discussion, she's telling them also about another scene she wants to do, which is the licking dog scene. Uh-huh. Which I don't think she ever gets to. No. We see that in the third movie. Yeah. But so somebody says, let's film it in digital. Yeah. And the guy goes, digital sucks. And he goes, George Lucas filmed in digital. And he goes, fuck George Lucas. And Anthony Anderson says, you're going to hell. I think those two Can't are very you funny. you just said that. Yeah. And those two are sophomores. Yes. So they're not making a film of their own. They're just helping out. Which is important to the story. It is, yeah. But yes, then the director she talks to uh, uh, that was doing the, the plane scene. Toby. He gets all up in her junk and he's like, horror's my genre. Okay, how on earth could someone expect to claim an entire genre yeah. at an entire film school? Yeah. How many movies are going to be made and you want to be like, no, I claim horror? Unless they're trying to say that, like, it's a really small group of people that are up for this. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, but he drops out his DP either way. Which is shitty because she just worked on his movie. Mm-hmm. So that's why she goes back to Travis. That's my next note. Well, she was going to him so that he could read her no, script. No, but she goes back to ask about a new DP. And oh, that's right, because he quit. Yeah. And Travis is very upset. He is very upset. He has received a C- minus on his film. And he can't understand it. We, yeah, and Amy is in shock, too. You're the best filmmaker here. Mm -hmm. How could you have possibly gotten a C- minus on it? And he's just like, I don't know, but I'm totally fucked because I have no money and I have no connections. And he's like, and, and she's just like, I'm really sorry to bring this up, but I kind of need a DP. And he's like, use mine. His name is Simon. His real name is Shorm. Apparently he's Russian. <laughs> and and his camera is his baby. Yes. And then, but Amy does have a weird line here where she's like, it's going to be okay, Travis. Or it's, Travis, it's going to be okay. It's just kind of awkward. Like, uh, yeah, at the end. Mm-hmm. So they're filming in the next scene with the terrible actress? Yes. And, no, well, she's walking to the set. Uh-huh. And the guy who who wrote Scott Pilgrim is now working on lighting, I guess, as well. Yeah, they're just the electrical guys. They're the electrical and effects. They're, they're, the, they're the grips and other such roles. Well, they also do the makeup. Spe yeah, special effects. Okay. Makeup effects. Like, they're, they're not the big roles. They're not the directors of photography. They're not doing sound. They're not, you know, doing assistant directing. They're not doing directing. They're doing the lifting roles. But so, as she's walking through... He, the guy is working on the light, and suddenly it falls, loud bang, and... Sandra is on the floor. And Anthony Anderson, she's, she's, 
She's one hell of an actress. Uh-huh. Wah, wah. Gotcha. <laughs> Which I think is in the trailer. Maybe. Her sitting there with the thing on her head and her big eyes. Gotcha. I think that's in the trailer. So that's the best acting that she's done yet or something like that? I guess. I actually thought she did a, a decent job in the first scene that we saw her in. Until she's supposed to be screaming. Yeah, because they very explicitly, this is a girl who like, they keep getting clips of her and it is comically bad. Yeah. Like, she goes cross-eyed and stuff. Yes. And she goes way off blocking at one point in one scene. Not the scene in the airplane, but later on when they're watching her footage, she like goes into karate mode and starts fighting the killer. It's totally ridiculous. It's obviously supposed to be silly. Yes. Now she has an excuse to get offset because she's going to go play a ER patient in a coma. In a coma, and so she has to go to L.A. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Two characters in this movie. The first two people to die are ones who are not expected to be home, so nobody's going to second guess when they don't hear from them. Mm-hmm. This is when Simon shows up, and he's pretty funny. Yeah, the the Russian. Camera operator. Can I touch it? No. (laughs) Director of photography, I guess, actually. Yeah, he's obsessed with his baby, his camera. So at the end of the day, when they're done shooting, everyone's leaving to go home. And apparently the last person to leave is our actress girl. Sandra. Or she comes back for some reason or something. Well, no, she's the last person walking out the door, which Uh is why she's the only person in there when she goes back. Because she realizes she doesn't have her keys. Now, this is probably one of the most irritating things that happens in this. Why are her keys in the entrails of the dog? Mm-hmm. Tell me that. Yep. Why did she decide to put her keys there? And here's the thing. This is at a film school where people are filming a lot of different movies. And in particular, we're watching the filming of a horror movie. So I really love that this is a great opportunity to get unique sets, set pieces, and like moments for kills without having to belabor the plot in some way to get them in all these places. It's just built into the premise. So you don't need to do gimmicky things like that. Anything else could have happened with those entrails, but whatever. Her death gets filmed. Yes. And I guess Almost you're like, right. Almost uh, like Peeping Tom. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of as Peeping Tom. But he has like a sword on the end of his yes. camera. This guy just films her and then and kills And then her. kills her. Yeah. But... I guess you're right. That's not much of an urban legend. She does die on the set of the urban legend. This is where we see the dead dog. Uh-huh. Because she, they were filming that scene in in Amy's movie. But maybe maybe later, because we're going to see this footage and nobody's going to believe that it's real, maybe that's the urban legend part? Uh, yeah, that would be it. Yes, that's probably an urban legend for sure. But yeah, I definitely wrote down, this is like Peeping Tom. But yes, yeah, so they're going to be watching this, the clips from the day. Yeah. They're going to be reviewing the footage that they shot. Which is where we see her being terrible. Yes. And then we get the footage of her actual death. And Amy's a little bit concerned, but everyone else is sort of like into it. They think she they did a great job. Right. They're like, oh, ah, but get it? It's because the film school students have been desensitized to violence. Well, so they can't even recognize when a real murder happens. So earlier in the film, they had been talking about cinema verite. Mm-hmm. And Verite so, meaning truth. Yeah. So I guess mean like reality. Yes. Mm-hmm. So later on, the killer is going to say, wasn't it great cinema verite filming her death? And I love Amy's response. I thought it was out of focus. 
Yeah, uh-huh. It's so good because it's the exact thing that would hurt this guy. All right, now, at this point, I was convinced it had to be the blonde guy because the blonde guy was the one that was putting in the reels. He's the one that was showing them the yeah. film. Long blonde hair and scruffy facial hair. And, and when he came back, he claimed to not have known what had no, what happened. What are you talking about? He didn't even know that the reels had switched. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelsey, you didn't mention... The one thing you mentioned in the last episode, the one thing you remembered from the trailer of this movie, of when Amy mentions that it seemed very real, nobody believes that it was real, and Anthony Anderson says, OJ left more blood than that on the Bronco. Love that line. (laughs) Which, if you remember correctly, there's very little blood left in the Bronco. There was blood, but it was like little splashes. It wasn't like soaked or anything, you know, so. Yeah, because these guys think that Death would have tons of blood, yes. which I don't uh-huh. know. I don't know because I've never seen again die that way. The youth, the film obsessed youth, have become desensitized to the horrors of reality. Yes, and she also thinks it might be Joey Lawrence. Yeah, and she kind of comes up to him and she's like, "What do you think ha- could happen?" And he's just like, "It's probably just her real." Yeah, uh-huh. She's gone. She's, you know, she's in she's L.A. She's playing a coma patient in L.A. Right, and he's the one who, like, gave her that uh, uh-huh. option, that... that opportunity. Per- opportunity, yeah. So, you, you could very easily be him. I was starting to wonder, are they in on it together, him and his lackey? Yeah. But I was like, really? Twice? So, tragic news, everybody. Travis has killed himself. The rumor is, we hear that he blew his head off in the campus tower... Yes. There is a bell tower on this campus for no good goddamn reason. Well, old, like... But this is not old. <laughs> it's like Art Deco. True. True. I mean, I, I say that as if Art Deco isn't old, but it's not like 1800s old, you know what I mean? Right. So as, at his funeral, Joey Lawrence is going to approach Amy and he's going to try to, like, hit on her. And she's like, I know you're not hitting on me at a funeral right now. Uh-huh. Like, it's great. And yeah, this is where he's going to uh, confront her with the fact that she yeah. comes from an Oscar-winning father who made documentaries. Um, he's dead now. But he's dead now, so you've got something to prove. Well, I've also got something to prove. Yeah, basically the idea is they need to prove that they're not just here because of their lineage, that they actually have some skill. And he resents her for trying to hide the fact that she comes from that lineage when he has to deal with it out in the open every single day. Oh, we haven't said who Travis is, by the way. Travis is the guy from Legally Blonde. Matthew Davis, yeah. Warner from Legally Blonde. Which is funny now that I realize that... That the other chick is from Legally Blonde, too. Yeah, yeah. Sandra is. Sandra, who just died. <laughs> he was also on Vampire Diaries, but we never watched that show. Sorry. And, well, don't cry too long, because this is immediately where Trevor's going to show <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, Matthew Davis comes back playing <laughs> Travis's twin brother, Trevor. Yes, and he, like, doesn't bother to explain, and she's just left wondering for a little Travis? bit. Travis? Yeah, and he, like, doesn't, con- like, explain. And then he's like, Travis was, eventually he says, Travis is my brother. And he didn't kill himself. He wouldn't do that. He was definitely murdered. She's like, okay, well, let's go to the police. And this is where. We can't go to the police. <laughs> that's where you start to think, is this just Travis? Uh-huh. Like, pretending? Like, cause, because what they said was, they blew his head off. Yeah. The only way you're going to figure it out who it is is by their dental records. Remember that, by the way. <laughs> so I was wondering, oh, did he pretend to kill himself? 
is he the one that's filming everyone's death to make his uh, thesis film that's going to be incredible? Yeah, because he's bitter because he got that C minus. That's what I was starting to think, and I was mm-hmm. like, that could be an interesting story. Yep, I wrote here, twins, Trevor, and the melodrama. Mm-hmm. Is this a soap opera? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Surprised he doesn't have an eye patch. Yeah, and he specifically tells her, don't tell anyone I was here. Uh-huh. So the in the next scene, she's going to film the scene where everybody's screaming at midnight. And I thought this was an effective scene. I liked the screaming faces and the uh-huh. mouths as we watch the cameraman get killed. Yeah, he's not needed anymore because she's just recording the screaming audio. First, it's the video. And then she's going to stick around with the cast, just record the audio. It's just them. Everyone else, including Simon, leaves. So, again, she couldn't be the killer? I didn't think that they were ever trying to imply that she was the killer. Okay. I mean, maybe I just missed something, but I I don't think they... I mean, people are are suspicious of her, but since she's the protagonist and we follow her around everywhere, I feel like the audience isn't ever supposed to think that. But sometimes people are suspicious of her. Well, no, like, because she... Suspicious of remember, her she times. chucks the videos, so that makes her seem pretty suspicious. She's like, give me the videotape. Oh, yeah. And she goes to make a copy, and then she's chased by the killer, so the, she chucks the And then the, the killer videotapes. picks it up. Yes. But again, she's chased by the killer, so I don't think at any point she's supposed to- mind. Hello. Oh, my God. High, High tension. tension. Yeah, sorry if we ruined that for you, but you're welcome for ruining that for you. <laughs> so, while they're recording the screaming, Simon gets approached, and, okay, I'm going to use a term that's going to be insensitive. Know that I'm using it in context as a reference to something. I wrote down, did Simon just get spaz chopped? That's another reference. I've done it before to Mystery Science Theater 3000's Agent from Harm episode, mm-hmm. where they reference a tactic called the spaz chop, where it's like, you know, it's like a karate chop where the bottom of your hand hits somebody at their neck, mm-hmm. except turn your hand 180 and you chop like this. <laughs> It's very awkward. And that's what it looks that's how it, he gets like he gets like karate chopped in his neck and then goes down, but it's like this way. Ha-ta! <laughs> it's just just reminded me of that scene from Agent from Harm. Like, oh my god. <laughs> and then he's killed with his own lens. He gets he gets his head beaten in uh, by yes, his own right. lens. Uh just between 12 and 1201, but in enough time that he's still alive. And when, she's, when the screaming stop ha- stops so happening. So she hears it, but I'm like, I guess it's because she's got the really amplified. She's got the boom mic. Yeah, and it's all the way up. We hear it goes all the way up. But he's all the way outside. I don't know if I believe that. Right. I also don't believe that that would be all the way up when she has the headphones on while everyone's screaming directly into it. I think I would turn that down. Mm-hmm. Because that, it's either she's turning up the... Either she's turning up the gain on the microphone or she's turning up the volume on her monitor. I can understand maybe turning up the gain on the microphone, maybe a little bit, but why would she be turning up the volume on her monitor? It doesn't make any sense. But anyway, she hears it. Also, anyway, she never fucking stopped recording, so she has a recording of it that never comes up. True. True. Later on, because she hears it, she goes to Reese and she says... Do you have the footage from the last hour or so? What do you mean the last hour or so? You were looking at your watch. You know the exact fucking minute that it happened. You have a recording of it. Yes. Good points. Good points. It's a stupid contrivance so that she has to take an entire tape's worth of security footage. 
as opposed to just being able to tell Reese a time and then Reese goes to that. Agreed. Like, I, I wondered that, too. I was like, why not just have her show the tapes? Right. Reese's oh, like, oh, I gotta no, make the rounds. That's right. She said, I have to make the rounds. Just so fucking stupid. But anyway, uh, she does say to her, she tells her what is happening, and Reese doesn't fucking believe her. And I'm like, after uh-huh. what Reese has seen? Right. She gets a little, like, side-eye suspicious. A little. Uh-huh. I mean, she eventually helps them, but yeah. that's... She was the one who said urban legend my ass. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't she be a believer? Now, as like we said, uh, Amy is going to be approached by the killer here when she's looking at those tapes and trying to make copies. For some reason, she's in like a sound building. Yeah, it felt very Scream 2. Yes, Mm -hmm. but like there's, it's like an orchestra pit where they record the soundtrack, right? But like, I, I don't know why she would go there to review the footage. I don't either, but... Maybe it's the only open building. Uh, Who knows? I also don't know why the killer puts on a mask, which makes her think that it's one of those two sophomores. And so she's totally like, oh, hey! And she's going to come out. And then the guy decides to freak her out. Don't you want your victim to come outside? Don't you want to kill her? She thought you were her friend. Uh She was coming to the door. And then you decided to scare her. So she then did not go out to see you. Kelsey, can you tell me how... I mean, okay, yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. I 100% agree with you. It didn't even occur to me because I was just laughing at the fact, first of all, he's wearing what looks to be a sinister Mac Tonight mask. Yep, yep, I thought the same thing. Which, for those of you that don't know, Mac Tonight is uh, a mascot from McDonald's back when they went like 24 hours and you can get like their nighttime menu. Mm -hmm. He was a moon that wore a suit and played piano, but now he's been co-opted by white supremacists, (laughs) neo-Nazis. Are you serious? I am dead serious. Why? I don't know. It bothers me because Mac Tonight was fucking awesome. (laughs) But now, yeah, it's like an evil monster Mac Tonight because it's like a moon head that he's wearing. And I'm laughing at that. And then I'm laughing at the fact that he must have taken off that mask and underneath it had the fencing mask on. Yes. Well, that's why the mask has to be enormous. Right. But like, it's a mask under a mask. Yes. So that's what I'm laughing at. But you're right. Why would he have put the mask on if it wasn't to make her think that it's just somebody playing a prank on her? And if that's the case, why would he have then taken it off? Yep. You don't need the mask to cover your identity. You're already wearing the fucking fencing mask. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I also thought it was funny as she's running away from him through the campus. There's just no one around. Zero yeah. people uh-huh. on a college campus in the middle of the... It's it's midnight. I guess. It's like 1230 or something like that. One o'clock. But still, nobody. So she has to run away. She loses the And she goes the under the grate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. She goes under the grate where he stands like right on top of her as like, how is he not seeing her right now? But then he does. No, I don't think he does because this is where Reese shows he up. He runs off and then she runs off and then she runs like she's running away from him because he's looking for the entrance to down there. Mm-hmm. But then he, she just runs into Reese and then the killer's just not ever there again. So you're like, wait a minute. Is it Reese? No, it's certainly not Reese. Because she was apparently watching this time. Yeah. But didn't see the perpetrator. Only saw uh-huh. her in under the grate in the sewer. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not like a sewer. It's like there's all these, like, water pipes and steam pipes and whatever this tunnel is. But as Amy is explaining what happened, Reese is like, well, you lost the tapes, which means you have no proof, which means no one will believe you. Yeah. But I would think that Reese would be way more concerned about what's going on because she's seen all this before. Totally, yeah. Okay, so she goes to see Trevor, 
And they're just walking around on campus in broad fucking daylight. He is the spitting image of a man who just committed suicide and nobody knows he had a twin brother. And you don't want anyone to know that you're there. What the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. Never, nothing ever comes of it. <laughs> she, He again tells her that she can't go to the police and she's just like, that's the second time you said that. Why? And he's like, because I've had trouble with the cops before. That's it. That's the only explanation. It's not revealed to be anything special. It's a garbage excuse uh-huh. to, get, to not have the to cops, not have the cops involved. involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she tells him, I think somebody is trying to get the Hitchcock Award, so they're killing off all the people that are in their way. And he says, well, if you're right, then that means that they're going to come after you. She has... So let's use you as bait. She has a very Hitchcockian paranoia montage moment where, like, there are faces talking at the screen overlaid on top of each other. We hear voices that are narrating over the top of it like it's out of psycho or oh yeah that happens as she's going for a run yeah it is very hitchcockian and i'm like i actually really liked that wouldn't you wouldn't you go jogging if you thought someone was going after Uh you to murder you i know i would totally but uh but but my point is is that (laughs) it comes off as cheesy unless you're thinking no this is a reference to like a classic hitchcock thing you know okay no i actually kind of dug that i liked it too But yeah, they're going to use her as bait because they owe it to Travis and her friends. And this is where he says, I won't let anything happen to you. Now, remember, guys, this is not Travis. Yes. This is not the kid she's known for four years. Yes. This is the dude that she just met out of fucking nowhere. Uh Uh-huh. I would never let anything happen to you. You don't even know me. Mm -hmm. For all you know, I could be the murderer. For all you know, I could be crazy. Yes, for all you know, I could be Travis, and I've gone crazy. But we know that he can't be. No, I was talking about Amy. No, I know, but we know that, that, that Trevor can't be Travis because they found Travis's body and identified him by his dental records. Did they? Yes. Even if he, they didn't need to, even if that's just an exaggeration, they still have his body. They know he killed himself. If they didn't find his body, how would they even think that he killed himself? How would it have even come up? They found a fucking body. I guess so. That's a good point. And if it was somebody else's body, A, why? <laughs> and B, who? C, how? <laughs> Where? When? Okay. So to make her the bait and to draw him out, they're going to do another scene, Tunnel of Terror. So they find this abandoned minecart ride? So Where did it come it's from? Not, no, it's not abandoned. It's at a it's at a uh, theme park. That they got access to. Right. And it's, it's just ridiculous that the park wouldn't have employees there to make sure that nothing went this wrong. This is why I'm thinking it might be a park that shut down, that they still got permission to film in, but that it's not an active park. But I don't know. Whatever. I the don't know. Point is, they're gonna they're gonna make over the entire set, and I think very clever ways, where they show you things like, "What do you think of these babies?" And it's like a guy playing cards, and he shows his cards, and they change it to like he's Actual holding a babies. knife and he's pointing at the knife at a bunch of dead babies. Yes. <laughs> like it's hilarious. It is it's pretty fun funny. stuff like that throughout this ride, where they're like. You know, repurposing it for the purposes of the movie. Yeah, and if you've ever been on a log ride where right, like at Knott's Berry Farm or something, miners, mm-hmm. this is exactly what it looks like, yes. and they are just as creepy. Except that in this one, they can talk. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess you could say they. Yeah, they, they talk do that. in in Knott's. No, they don't. But they talk. Sure, in they do. All the 
you know, pirates and stuff. So They don't talk in knots. Pretty sure they do. I don't know. It's been so long since it's I've been, been on that ride. It's been a long time since we've been on the log ride. Yeah. We never go on the log ride. Because <laughs> they're creepy. Yeah. I used to love that ride when I was a kid. Like, love it. Totally. I've never even been on it during the, the scary time because I'm too scared. Really? They supposedly they run out at you. While you're in the log? Uh-huh. We are in the flume? I don't like it. I don't want to do it. That sounds scary. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, and she's like, and in this scene, the bodies will be real in her movie. Uh-huh. That's what's supposed to happen. But the two sophomores are the ones that are in charge of putting all the bodies out there. Now, she thinks that's perfectly okay and safe. Because they're sophomores. They're not up for the Hitchcock Award. So she doesn't need to worry about their safety. Yeah. Well, it's not that she doesn't. Oh, you mean as far as like killing them? Mm-hmm. Yes. She does not think they're on the killer's list. Yes. But they do get killed by the killer who is dressed up as one of the miners and pretending to be one of the animatronic miners. So he's wearing like overalls and a long sleeve shirt and a wig. Which and I thought was a giveaway that it was supposed to be the blonde guy. Yeah. Long, long hair or whatever. But no, it's a wig over the top of the fucking fencing mask. It looks ridiculous. So, considering how we watched the other two girls' deaths and they were pretty, pretty painful. Uh-huh. These are pretty weak deaths, I'd say. They are electrocuted. It's made to so that it'll look like an accident. Yeah. Not not necessarily making it look like they, these people were murdered. Do you think there's something to the fact that, yes, we can see the brutal murder of people that, like, so men we don't like, or at least men that are standoffish, that we have no affection for, like Simon, the the camera operator, the director of photography, right? And women of any type, but not men that we might like like these two guys here and travis we don't see die we don't see travis die that's true i'm just putting it out there i don't know if it's i don't know if there's a pattern but i wouldn't be surprised if there was one that's okay to see women of any kind die and brutally and that's there's something titillating about that but dudes we like no i don't know i hadn't thought about it I just thought these were weak deaths, but then again, it's because they're trying to make it look like an accident. They just both get electrocuted, Mm -hmm. and that's it. Because at this point, the cops have absolutely no idea that murders are taking place because they haven't told about them because they don't think they'll believe them. Right. So there's two women that were going on a trip anyway, so nobody's expecting them to be there. Mm -hmm. There's one man that's a suicide. There's one man whose body was never found, so there's no evidence that there's a murder. Mm -hmm. So now these these are just accidental deaths by some kids who didn't follow safety protocols on set. But before the cops do show up, she will again be chased by the murderer. Amy will be. There is a really great moment in this chase that I legitimately really liked you know how, uh, especially in construction sites, you'll be climbing down a ladder and there's like the circular cage around the ladder. Mm-hmm. So he's up top. She's down at the bottom. She's trying to climb up the ladder and she sees that he's at the top of the ladder, right? He doesn't see her. And he starts to climb down the ladder and you're like, what's going to happen here? And he climbs down and he gets into that cage thing and he continues climbing down. And then we get this side on shot. 
And there's Amy hanging on the back outside of the cage as he climbs down right in front of her. Mm -hmm. But of course, since he's climbing down a ladder, she's behind him. And he has no idea she's there. It's a great moment. I actually really liked that. I wrote down, that was a very clever evasion. Oh, but now she's being heard two seconds later. Oh, yeah. So it's like, it might as well have not happened. Might as well not (laughs) happened. But I totally agree. It was a cool scene. And then they just were like, no. Yep. Now he hears her. Uh Uh-huh. But she does get away. She finds Trevor and she's like, what the hell? You abandoned me. You didn't protect me at all. Because they're trying to make you think that he's the killer. Yeah. He says, well, I followed Graham. Remember, Uh, Graham is a potential victim. She got him off the... a potential killer. Right, but he's also a potential victim. Yes. But so, like, get him off the set. Doesn't she have him send the... She has him get rid of all of the crew. Because she's like, I only wanted our tiny crew tonight. Uh And that's because she's trying to figure out who the killer is. And so when he walks off, there's a little mini confrontation or something. Apparently, ostensibly, Trevor followed Graham. Yes. And she's like, I trusted you, but whatever. At least now we know it's not Graham. And he goes, well, no, I lost track of him too. Yes, so that didn't help anyway. So he's totally not helpful in any way. But she's had a long, exhausting day, Kelsey. It's been so long and she's tired. She just needs a man to hold her in bed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This guy that she's known for two days. Uh But he looks like the guy she had a crush on. Who might be the killer. Right, exactly. Who could very easily be the killer. Who promises again to never uh, abandon abandon her. her and to protect her at all times, despite the fact that he just did that earlier in the day. But she comes to the realization, hold up. They were sophomores. They were not up for the Hitchcock yeah, Award. Uh-huh. My original theory is wrong. He's not killing competition for the Hitchcock Award. Mm-hmm. So what's the motive? Exactly. But they fall asleep in bed. And he holds her, making promises to her as she passes out. And then cut to them fucking. Sexy time. And it's like, okay, so obviously this is a dream. I wrote that down. I was like, this has got to be a dream. But I was like, <laughs> man, but. She gets to wear a bra the whole time. <laughs> and he stabs her in her yes. dream. Uh-huh. But she wakes up and he's not there. Oh, I'll never abandon you. Yeah. Not there. So back to the tower. I don't remember <laughs> she why she sees a light the in the tower. tower. Okay, because she can see the tower from her dorm. Yes. I guess. And Eva Mendez is there, and she's like, "I got your letter because I thought you wanted to be lesbians with me." Right. Even though she she's has like, a girlfriend. I gotta say, I, I wasn't totally surprised or whatever. Whatever it is that she says, and it's a really awkward scenario for Eva Mendez. Because she says, I, didn't I never sent you a letter. She's like, oh, my God. Like, it's very embarrassing for her. Well, but also, Ava Mendez has a girlfriend. And is that the body that falls to the table? Is that her girlfriend? Because I didn't know. I thought it was a dummy. It looked like a dummy. Because remember, there's that scene when they're loading up the minecart and Anthony Anderson is carrying that fully anatomically correct doll. Like, it might as well be a sex doll or whatever. And that's what I thought it was that landed. I didn't even think twice about it. It might have been Ava Mendez's girlfriend, or at least supposed to be. I don't know. I thought it was. But once this happens, okay, the body came from the top of the tower. So that's where the killer is, ostensibly. So what do they do? They run up the stairs to the top of the tower. What? 
I'm some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act, who's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. Uh-huh. It is very insulting. And it's just like, <laughs> I can't believe they just did that. But whatever. Yep. So they go upstairs. And they hide in a closet. And it's so obnoxious. Yes, they get into this closet. And then the c- killer opens up the door and they both just stand there screaming. Screaming. They do nothing. The killer. They could very easily both together yep. run, push this guy, and you got, kill him two down the tower. But no, they're just deer in the headlights frozen. Yes. Fight, fight, flight, or freeze. And they freeze. And so he opens the door, they freeze, he grabs Vanessa, Eva Mendez, and yanks her out of the closet and then slams the door closed again, locking Amy in there. And she is having the most epic meltdown. <laughs> she backs up and she finds all of her friends The lights dead. turn on while she's panicking and screaming. And it is pretty grotesque. There are rats crawling like That was into, another cool thing. Sandra's neck. Into their ears. Yeah, there's Sandra wounds. and like obviously it's just the actress poking her head out of a hole and then there's a fake you know, neck and upper torso or whatever, right? But they're feeding live rats out of this hole in her neck, and it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. That's gruesome. Yes. It was pretty cool. Uh, (laughs) And then we see the body of a man folded up and shoved into a shelf, and... I didn't realize that that was supposed to be... Travis. I, I that's I looked and I'm like, is that Travis? It didn't or look like Travis. Is it Trevor? Did Trevor die? And that's how she finds out. It is not Trevor. Here's the problem: it can't be Travis. We talked about this. Can't be Travis because he committed suicide in the bell tower. Now, either they know he did it and they have a body, or they don't have the body and they don't know it happened. Is it possible that it's the filmer? The filmmaker? Simon. Is it possible that it's Simon? Maybe it's Simon. That would make sense because they never find Simon's body. Kelsey, you figured it out. (laughs) Oh, God, that was bothering me so much. It has to be Simon. It has to be. Yeah. Because I was running through my head about the possibilities. I'm like, well, okay, so it can't be Travis. So then it might be Trevor. And then you see Trevor. It's like, okay, so was that supposed to be Graham? And then you see Graham. And it's like, so who the fuck is it? It's Simon because they never found his body. Good call. Yes. Okay, I feel better. But he's kind of like beat up because obviously his face was smashed in with the, with, the, with the lens, right? So he's a little bit beat up, so it's hard to identify him. I don't know. I feel like they could have maybe done a little bit more <laughs> to help out us idiots in the audience. <laughs> but so Ava Mendez is now hanging as the yeah, she ringer out. of the bell. And I'm like, is that is that an urban legend? That if a bell is, is ringing because there's a body hanging from it? If there is, it? I've yeah. never heard that I, one. I'm sure it is. I think it's pretty cool, actually. I kind of like that idea, despite the fact that, you know how they set up these fake hangings? Mm-hmm. You have a harness on, and it's coming from, like, lower down your back than, than it's not yanking you up by your neck, because obviously that would not be fun. <laughs> but it's very obvious that she's not hanging by her neck. And then, like, she's wearing this big, bulky outfit, and it's and it's being pulled up. In the back, the back collar is being pulled up to cover up the, like, it looks really bad. They, I think they could have done more with at least the angles they were filming from to make it look a little bit more realistic. I didn't really notice, but it was, it, they show her very briefly. Yeah. So this so is where. she immediately yeah. runs into Trevor. Uh-huh. And she's like, what the hell? You, you did it again. You said you were never going to leave me. <laughs> yes. The cops show up and they go in and Trevor, she, you know, is. Asking him why you left me. Uh-huh. And he goes, well, I found something. But that doesn't explain the fact that he left her while she was sleeping. Right. He, like, in order to find that you, something. You could have 
woken her up. You could have waited until she woke up. You could have done something so Uh as you're not leaving her, but you didn't. You ran off to watch his movie, and he says that he has found something, and he's like, he's realized that all of the people who made his brother's film are the Uh ones that are getting killed. So they watch... They watch the movie and it's awful, just terrible. How could Travis have made such a shitty movie? Right, no wonder he got a C minus, right? That was just awful. How could Travis make such a shitty movie? But then she notices that there's a splice, like an awkward edit between the last frame of the film and the first frame of the credits. And she pulls out the actual film and she's like, there's a, there's like a hard slice here, you know, where they actually take two pieces of film and they cut them and then they tape them together. And he's like, you know, like, what's so unusual about that? He's like, well, this is an this is an edited film. This is the final master copy. There shouldn't be any hard slices in here. It should just be one long strip. Because everything you do with those physical slices of film gets then re-recorded onto a clean strip. Mm-hmm. So why is there a hard slice here? And like, so somebody edited fake credits onto Travis's movie? And she's like, no, somebody edited a fake movie onto Travis's credits to make it look like this was his movie, but it's not. It's somebody else's movie. What the fuck is happening here? Which I thought was kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, I wish I understood more of what she was talking about. Like, I wish I understood the process of creating a film, but I don't. So... But I thought, yeah, I thought I liked the way that she felt, figured that out. So Trevor figures out that, yeah, if you if you remove Amy from the equation, the victims all worked on Travis's film. And so it has to be something related specifically to Travis's film. And so they decide it's got to be Toby. It's got to be Toby. It's got to be Toby. Toby's the dickhead. Toby's the jealous one. Toby's the one who needs to get the Hitchcock Award and who's threatening people. He's just... You know, has he has enough screws loose that he might do something like this. I hate the way that they track him down. Thank you. They they give you absolutely no reason to know exactly where he's going to be, when he's going to be there, why he's there. Toby's driving down a street and then he get he stops because somebody flags him down because they're having car trouble. And it turns out that that's Amy and they're going to hijack him. But how did they know where he was? How did they know when he was going to be traveling down the street? How did they know that there wasn't going to be somebody else there? Mm -hmm. Like, what? What? It's very silly. But she uses a prop gun to get him to come with them, and they tie him up. And And at first, you don't know it's a prop gun. You're like, Jesus, they got uh off the deep end. Uh But it's because they want him to admit what he's done, right? And they tie him up. And he just, I guess Travis is, I mean, Trevor is just pretending to be Travis, which was very confusing for me. I was like, so is he Travis? Is he, is he the killer? And she's too stupid to recognize it? Right. Is there a reveal that they have a conversation off screen and now we're getting the reveal right now? I don't know. But the professor shows up too. Well, but first, before the professor shows up, they're talking to him and he's just like, what the hell are you talking about? I didn't do the music for your movie. Right, yeah. You gave me the credit for it so I could pass. Yeah. What you you psycho fake suicide, you know, fuck or whatever. It's You did the music for You your know own full movie. well that you did your own music. You just gave me the credit so I could pass. Like, yeah. No, I did not do the sound on your film, you fake suicide psycho. You did it. You know that. You just gave me the credit so I could graduate. 
So you're saying you never saw his film? No, I never came anywhere near his film. So it's like, oh shit. <laughs> and this is when the professor shows up. And I was like, the teacher? Uh-huh. Why? Like, I was like, but what's his motivation? <laughs> why? <laughs> <laughs> and you find out it is, oh my God, his line. Well, also, Graham is watching from outside. Graham is watching from outside for no reason. And he <laughs> yes! drops his phone yes! for no reason. And Graham just decides to be a hero. But yeah, yeah. he does drop his phone. But We need to like Graham by the end because he's going to be part of the good guys at the end. Did you catch his motivation? Fuck teaching! Yes, I did. So, Did you write the line down? Fuck teaching! I don't know if I wrote the line down. The point was, they originally accused Toby because they figured he worked on the movie, he would know that his movie was better than Toby's, so that's why all this stuff is happening. He stole Travis's movie and then killed everyone who worked on it in order to cover it up. They're half right. That is the, that is the motive, but it's not Toby. Yes, so the professor reveals the fact that he's the one, when he finds out that I didn't work on your sound, you just gave me credit so I could pass, and the professor's like, you know what that means, don't you? Toby says, what? And the professor says, means I gave you an A in sound for nothing. And he shoots him, and like very dramatically, he goes flying through the back wall and into this like alien UFO set. Yes, thing. it's very funny. Graham <laughs> drops the phone he's carrying. And I just love that all of a sudden, no one's going to die. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, all these people are going to get beaten up, shot. So many people are going to get shot and beaten up, and no one is no going one to die. No one dies. Yeah. But everyone died before this. And I'm I'm writing, at this point, okay, where's the weird wannabe student guy? Where is he in all of this? Did we just forget he exists now? He was involved... And he was a potential killer. I wrote down. And then I they was just like, forgot he existed. Yeah, I wrote down. I was like, so I guess the blonde guy was just a red herring. Yeah, uh-huh. But we'll get to that because he's going to make an appearance in a moment. But we're not there yet. Yeah. First, we need to talk about the fact that the cop shows up. Reese shows up. Yeah, so a couple things happen. Graham's phone goes off, distracts the professor. Trevor tries to knock the gun out of his hand. He tells Amy to run. She does run. Now the professor has Trevor... They move their way to a graveyard set with the fog machine on, by the way, just randomly, I guess. And he explains his motivation. This is before Reese shows up because Reese doesn't know what's going on when she shows up. Right. The motivation is that Amy's father was a celebrity guest voter during a time when they were voting on the Hitchcock Award and they were deadlocked. So they brought in this guest voter, this famous documentarian, Amy's father, and he picked... The other guy's film, not Professor Solomon. So this Mm -hmm. is when he was going to school. So the reason that Amy's father mysteriously died is because Solomon killed him all those years ago. For ruining his chances of getting a three-movie deal. $15,000. And a three-movie deal. I guess. Yeah, so now he's killing everyone who worked on Travis's film because he recognized that it was excellent and he wanted to steal it. And that's how, though, that was what he wanted to get a three movie deal out of, is off of Travis's film. Mm-hmm. The Hitchcock Award, why he originally killed Amy's dad, is just a cash prize, which isn't that much cash, and some clout. You might get skyrocketed into Hollywood success, right? So Graham hits him with the chair, and he says, That only works in movies, idiot. <laughs> and Trevor takes this opportunity to grab the gun. Graham gets shot in the hullabaloo, and he falls directly into an open grave on the set. 
Whoa. This is when they scramble over the guns. They knock over a whole rack full of prop guns. And they're all, yeah, trying to figure out which one is the real one. And as you said, she knows because she saw it earlier. Yeah, because Reese has shown up by this point and she doesn't know who to trust because everyone's got guns on each other. And it's a standoff and he tries to shoot her, right? But it clicks. It's just a prop gun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she went, reached out in all the scramble and grabbed Reese's gun, which had the gold trim on it. And so she knew she was going to actually uh, shoot him. She does. Graham and Toby are both still alive. Well, she didn't mean to shoot him. She was going to let him serve, live. And then, oh, he, and attacked then he attacked her. her. And then, yeah, she shoots him when he's on top of her. Yeah, yeah so uh-huh. stupid. And they're like, oh, my God, Amy, are you OK? And then they roll him off and he's dead or not dead. We think he's dead. This is when she says it was out of focus. Uh huh. Could you back up, Mr. Foot? <laughs> Could you back up, Mr. Foot? You're out of focus. <laughs> it's Bigfoot! Could you back up a bit, Mr. Foot? You're out of focus. But yeah, Reese also gets the line, that's my sister, baby, and she's a whole lot of woman again. Call back to not only the beginning of the movie, but also Foxy Brown. Mm-hmm. That's my sister, baby. She's a whole lot of woman. So. Uh, they're having an award ceremony where they show Travis's film and everyone applauds and they're going to give him an award. And the last thing I wrote before this scene uh-huh. was, I guess the blonde guy was just a red herring. Right, yes. And so they're going to give this award to Trevor in honor of his dead brother, Travis, right? And at the award ceremony... In the rafters again, because remember, we originally saw him in the rafters mm-hmm. during that announcement. Uh, there is the blonde weirdo guy who couldn't get into film school, and he's got a sniper rifle, and he looks just the type, by the way. And he goes to shoot Trevor, but before he can do that, out comes Reese with her gun. Yes. And she shoots him. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Credits. It's another movie within a movie. It's just layer upon layer. And it's just like in the first one where it's just like, wait a minute. How did you get all those cuts? Right, where yeah. Where are all the extras that were there two seconds ago? Yep. Like, and yeah, it's very, it doesn't so make any sense. they made a new movie, which I guess is Amy's movie. Mm-hmm. There, so she decided, scrap everything, make a whole new movie. And or, my movie. No, or this is her after she's won and she's. Now a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, maybe. And. And that movie, part of that movie is going to include the end of my dead friend's movie. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, maybe. Maybe that's how you decide to honor him. I don't know. But and now Graham that guy's is Amy's working with agent. her. Yeah. Yeah, Graham is now her agent. Now she has uh, Tre- Trevor as her boyfriend. Uh-huh. Everything is happy ending. Right. The sniper is obviously, he's just an actor. He gets to be involved in the movies now. And then that's the end of a movie. That movie, that movie is called Urban Legends. So what were the urban legends in that movie? I assume they were made about the about these series of killers. And who's watching it? The professor. In a psych ward. Being taken care of by... Nurse Rebecca Gayhart, who That's says right. to him, don't you just love that movie? I think we have a lot in common. I'm sorry, what exactly do you have in common? They're murderers. And I, I love the Hitchcock music. Yeah, well, when she says that, she looks directly at the camera, by the way. I like it. Just like I dead like center it. in camera. I like it. I like it. I like it. It's fine because I think this is a good use of Rebecca Gayhart, right? Uh, don't you just love that movie? Hmm. <laughs> 
think we have a lot in common. She looks directly at the camera and then wheels him off the entire length of the credits to the Alfred Hitchcock Presents theme. You know, My only problem here is all of a sudden the director starts to like scratch his chin. It's like all he does. Well, all he's the way. sitting there and he's got like his hands kind of bundled up in front of him. But then he starts to scratch I think his he's chin. Yeah, and he's like just Very sort of weird. He just needed busy work. But then to show that he's actually alive and he's not in a coma. But then they show the wheel for way too yeah, long, it, and you're the, like, is the this leading somewhere? Zooming in on the wheel. Like, I you imagine keep it's thinking a reference something to was going to happen. Yes, you do think something's going to happen, but, but I imagine it's a reference to something. And that's so, the end of the movie. That's the end of the movie. A lot more to like than I expected, especially as I'm watching it and thinking this is not a good movie. I think it's a lot of fun. It is. So what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Mm, I'll say a 50. It has a 9. Wait till you hear this consensus statement. I thought I was going a little high, but geez. This teen horror movie brings nothing new to an already exhausted genre, and it's bad. Really bad. I disagree. Is what that consensus statement says. Listen, I don't think it's good. I don't. Metacritic of 16, a cinema score of a D plus. Jeez. That's worse than the grade that Travis got on his thesis movie. Jeez. Yeah. Now, remember, the original only had a 19. Yeah. And this is not as good as the original. I thought... But you gave it a 60. I gave the original a 40. I can't see giving this movie less than 40. So did I like this movie more than the original Urban Legend? We'll have to re-listen to You that have episode. to go back and listen to that episode to see what my thoughts are. Personally, I really liked this movie. But would you say it's your favorite UL? I guess I liked it better than the first. You're going to give it greater than a 60? Yeah. Okay, what are you going to give it? I'm give it a 65. 65. Yeah, 65. I really liked it. Okay. Oh, it was lots of fun. Yes, it's a bad movie, but I thought it was lots of fun. It is it is a lot of what I a lot of what I'm coming for to a movie. I'm going to give it a 53. I think it's it's I want to push it just over that 50 threshold. That's so way higher than what you gave the first one. I know. So what didn't I like about the first movie? I'm listen to it. That I gave it such a bad rating. If you go back and you listen to episode 53 from October of 2018, that's when we covered Urban Legend. So I guess... We could find out why I hated that movie so much. I hated is a strong word, but 40. Yeah. 20 points less than you. So I had a point to make. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, I, probably I didn't like Rebecca Gayhart. I think she's fine in this. I think she's just hammy enough. I think that's what it's become. Yes. Maybe it's because the first movie, maybe the hamminess isn't, it felt inappropriate. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> okay. So maybe Urban Legends Final Cut is the best Urban Legends movie. It's just my favorite UL. <laughs> oh, just my favorite UL. Because the next one. It's certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Bloody Mary, Kelsey. 2005's Urban Legends Bloody Mary. Garbage. Okay. Written by Michael Doherty and Dan Harris. Now, Michael Doherty, yes, he wrote Trick or Treat. Yes, he wrote Krampus, mm -hmm. two movies that we've already covered on this show and that we liked. What did we give them? You gave Trick or Treat an 85. There you go. I gave it an 83. 
You gave Krampus a 76. I gave it an 82. So both movies that we really, really liked. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind as we go into this. But also, (laughs) he wrote Godzilla King of the Monsters and Godzilla vs. Kong. Which I've never seen. He wrote Superman Returns. Never saw. He also wrote X2, X-Men United, which granted is not the terrible X-Men 3. (laughs) But he did write X-Men Apocalypse, which is terrible. Which is not great. Yeah. Dan Harris, who we co-wrote this with, did work with him on those X-Men movies and Superman Returns, which I mentioned earlier was interesting because John Ottman, the guy who directed Final Cut, his like only film credit, is normally a composer, composed the music for all those movies. Superman Returns, X-Men 2, X-Men Apocalypse. He did the so music for all So that's how those. they got it. I don't know. Connections. I don't know. I mean, this would have been around the time a little bit after X-Men 2. So maybe, hey, I direct, my only direction is a Urban Legends movie. Do you guys want to write a script? And maybe, I don't know. Uh, Who knows? It's just very weird that there's that odd connection there. Those are the writers. It was directed by Mary Lambert. Now, Mary Lambert famously directed Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge. (laughs) Famously? Yes. Sorry. Probably more famously, she directed... Pet Cemeteries 1 and 2. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Movies that we thoroughly enjoy. Can you believe... The same director the of those movies The same director of those no. movies did this. No, I she can't. Went, she went from Pet Cemetery 1... Today, after that... It's Thanksgiving <laughs> Day! For cats. Today is Thanksgiving Day for cats. But only if they came back from the dead. So, okay. Pet Cemetery 1 to Pet Cemetery 2. Same director, bonkers Pet Cemetery 2. Yes. Right? Yes. To Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge. Oh, God. To this. Oh, yeah. What happened, Mary Lambert? I don't know. I don't know. I know a lot of people have a lot of fondness for the Halloween Town movies. I know one of them is sitting in this room right now. I like the first one. Every year we watch Halloween Town. That's not every year. It's every year. Every year since the first time I saw it, I've seen Halloween Town around Halloween. The movie stars Kate Mara, Robert Vito, Tina Lifford, and Ed Marinaro. Famous football player Ed Marinaro, turn actor. Mm-hmm. Kelsey, what is Urban Legends Bloody Mary about? It's basically Prom Night 2 mixed with Urban Legends right? 2. Hello, Mary Lou. <laughs> it's about a woman at, sorry, homecoming yes. who is killed and shoved into a footlocker <laughs> at the school who gets locked up and stays there for decades. Killed by accident by her date. Yes, like it's it's the premise for Prom Night 2. Yeah. And then she comes back to take her revenge on those yeah with magical superpowers children. So like yeah, take out the carry elements of Prom Night Two, and you have this movie basically. Yeah, it's the children of the people that mess with the sprinkling of urban legend in there, like a light dusting. (laughs) I mean, I I, I, they are explicitly saying these are urban legends, and we get to see them performed, but it's totally unnecessary. (laughs) Here's the thing. Well, it was unnecessary in the last one, too. Right, but it, they found a way to fold it into the narrative. It's not really folded into the narrative here because there's no fucking way she is the Bloody Mary. Before she kills 
anyone, the kids mention Bloody Mary. So she's not the Bloody Mary. She well, just happens to be named Mary. That would make sense because they don't do it into the mirror. Right. Yes. It has nothing to do with them saying Bloody Mary three times. Well. They, they say it. Yeah. But it has, that has nothing to do with why the murders are happening. Right. Why does she wait this long? Maybe it took that long to get up her powers. I don't know. Revenge. She was waiting for the But she could have done it when they were fucking babies. Why now? Because it's more fun uh, I guess way. because they had, <laughs> they had to be jerks before she could kill them. Well, the girlfriend wasn't really a jerk. Right. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. She was actually kind of nice. But anyway, that, that that's but neither here But she didn't know there. about it. Yes. Did nothing to stop it. So she's not the real Bloody Mary. So why is she killing with urban legends? To tie it into the second movie. Because there's it. no tie into the first. People say there is, but I don't remember any. There isn't. But like, why? Short of because they wanted to make an urban legends movie. Why are there urban legends killings here? What about the plot? would make you think that there would be urban legend killings. Again, she is not the Bloody Mary. She just happens to be named Mary. It's ridiculous. That's the shitty plot. It's not like she died as an urban legend. Right, yeah. Her death wasn't an urban legend either. It was just fucking an attempted rape. Oh, no, that's not true. They are telling it as an urban legend at the beginning. Are they? That's how you find out about it. Yeah, the the friend is telling it as an urban oh, legend. Oh, at the at the slumber, slumber party. party where they're gonna do a fucking. Oh, God, no, well, fight. well, yeah, uh-huh. like it's a porn movie. You can't watch it with any subscription service or with ads. You can rent it for three dollars on Amazon and Vudu again, or four dollars everywhere else. You can buy it for eight dollars on Amazon and Vudu and thirteen dollars everywhere else. Kelsey. Should people watch Urban Legends Bloody Mary? No. No. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2005's Urban Legends Bloody Mary. The Bloody Mary. Some drinks always satisfy. Bloody Mary. Some legends never die. Well, supposedly, if you go into the bathroom and turn off the lights and chant Bloody Mary three times, she appears. Bloody Mary. that has haunted this town for years. Professor Alpine University kills his own students using urban legends as his M.O. There's something connecting this to what happened to those girls in 69. Has come back to life. It's Mary. You're saying a ghost is killing these kids. Mary wants revenge on the people who took her youth. Mullen, you're not buying this, are you? is spreading. Oh, that's smart. Walk straight into the jaws of death. Terror is growing. There's something wrong. Don't you think that he would wake up before he cooked his ass? And fear is taking a whole new shape. Very smooth. Urban Legends Bloody Mary on DVD. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How... Does Bloody Mary begin? Salt Lake City, 1969. Uh-huh. It is homecoming. Yeah, not prom. No. But... Because then it would be prom night two. Hello, Mary Lou. Mm-hmm. So Mary is standing there, and she's waiting for her date. And her two friends are with her, and they mm-hmm. all have... Football players as dates. And as far as I can tell, everyone is having a grand old time. 
Yes. I add an additional layer of nuance that Kelsey disagrees with, which just says that I think they're having a good time because they're there with each other, not because they're there with these guys. Really, they're there because Mary wants to be there with her date. Okay. But there, yes, you will see lots of clips of them, like, smiling and laughing and stuff. And it's like, they don't seem too uncomfortable. <laughs> so they make their way into the dance where Dawn has already been placed as queen, and she is Mary's date's ex. Yes. And she is very upset that he is dancing with her. Yeah. she. Mary asks, how did she take it? And then he says... She'll get over it. How did Don take the news? The break of an all. She'll get over it. And I'm convinced that this movie had no budget because there's hardly anyone at this dance. Uh Uh-huh. And they show you that these guys are going to knock the girls out. They are putting roofies of whatever kind from 1969. But is it? I don't know how old Rohypnol is. Yeah, 1975. So Rehypnol did not exist in 1969, so they, I'm sure they're using something else. One of them makes the comment that, oh, she's a hippie chick, so he puts more in there. <laughs> yeah. So do not worry, though. No one is going to be raped. There are no rapes in this movie, which I really appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate at least. But there's definitely the context for one, and enough for a content warning at least. But so the two girls who are sitting... Drink all of this punch, but Mary does not drink any of it. Right. Because she is dancing. I guess her date just didn't realize that. (laughs) And he's like, come on out, even though she hasn't drank anything. She hasn't finished her drink, yeah. The other girls are passing out and, you know, yelling for Mary to help They're struggling, yeah. And this is all in, like, the alleyway behind the, the school. And the the queen is out there and she yells, did you really think he'd like you? touch you, I think is what she says. Something like that. Do you think he would ever touch you? Yeah, so she's obviously in on it. Yes. Now, it's important here. It is. Tell us what's important, Kelsey. There are four people who seem to be in on this. Yes, there is Mary's date, and there are the two football players that are with her two friends. So that's three. And then there's Dawn. That is four. That's four. That's it. But we are going to be told later that there were five. Yeah, and I don't know why. It's because they filmed one before the other, and then they did not have the fifth person. (laughs) I guess. That would be my guess. But so Mary is able to get away from her date, and she is running away through the school, which is suddenly empty. Yes. Well, through the hallways, which are... It's the homecoming dance. There would be people there. And she doesn't scream or anything. Yeah. And... Again, like, people just like to make things up. Like, I guess they have this weird storage room. I believe it. I'm sure schools have it. Especially multi-story schools and uh, schools where there's snow all the time. I'm sure that they have storage rooms like this. They run up there and he is coming after her. He grabs her and he's like, come on, let's go check on your friend's. And I guess he grabs too hard, so she bites his hand, which really pisses him off. So then he hits her, and she falls and hits her head on a surface of some kind. Can and we talk about how he that, thinks she's dead? That 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 bite never comes up. Yeah, that bite never comes. They up. they focus on it like it's super important, but it never comes up in the modern day. Like I'm and I'm looking, and you see suspects for who this guy might be, none of them have bite marks on their left hand. I don't know why they did this. 
Just to give him a reason to be so angry. I guess, yeah. And he hits her and she falls and hits her head. Yeah. And he thinks that she's dead. So he stuffs her into a... Chest? Trunk. Trunk, But later it's going to be suggested that she was not dead. Yeah, that she was still alive in there. Just to make her have a more, a worse death? Yeah. I can't, like in the ring. Oh, right. There's a lot of stuff this. In movie this. really wants to be the ring. Yeah, this movie would like to have been the ring, but it's not. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's like padlocked, closed, and everything. And if this sounds familiar to you, <laughs> that's what happened to Mary Lou. Yes. She gets accidentally killed at prom. Set on fire. Right. And set on her, fire her soul as a result of a, of a of a of a practical joke. Yeah, and then she's locked in the trunk. Her soul is. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's not opened until the girl opens it up to get the dress out. Yeah, uh-huh. So anyway, but okay. Now, that story is being told by one of the uh, main girl's friends. Here's my problem with that. They're telling the story of something that actually happened in their hometown but they are not aware yeah that nobody knows happened happened. literally no one but the people there knows it happens it is a big deal that people find out that it happened right so where does this fucking story come from exactly and if this story exists why has no one looked inside that trunk yet right yeah uh uh-huh i'm confused yep but so they say that was over 30 years ago. Wait, hold on, hold on. Before you move on, let's think about this. In real life, you're telling this story and you're telling this story about like a spooky, scary story at a sleepover. And you're like, this girl, she went to homecoming with the man of her dreams. And then it turned out he was trying to play a practical joke on her. And then when they got in a struggle, he hit her and she hit her head. And then he put her in a trunk. End of story. Okay, why did you tell that story? <laughs> Her body is still rotting there. I guess, but like they didn't even add the fact that she was still alive or anything. Like what is the scary story part of this? <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So these two girls, these two friends are terrible actresses. Yeah. I'm sorry to say because we did watch the making of which made one them in particular seem more like real people, but one in particular is absolutely awful. The, it's the blonde is, is very bad here. Maybe if you weren't always speaking out, like in the school newspaper, maybe we'd have dates to the homecoming dance. And it feels very early 2000s with these like negligee outfits that these girls are wearing with their tits all pushed up and everything. Oh, and yeah. I, I was very surprised to find out that a woman yes, directed this. Right. Because this felt very much like what a dude would expect a girl's uh, slumber party to be. And it She's felt, catering to the audience, I guess. I, I don't know. Yes, but it's real bad. Yeah. They start having a fucking pillow fight. Guys. They have a pillow fight. <laughs> 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 Guys, I'm here to tell you that doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> And we certainly wouldn't do it in these ridiculous outfits if it ever did happen. Yeah, I mean, okay, you're having a sleepover with your friends. Are you like, I'm going to look fuckable around my girlfriends? Like, right. is that what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Kate Mara is not. She's I mean, wearing the me zip-up hoodie or whatever. Yeah, yeah, she uh-huh. is not. Yeah, but don't get me wrong. Like, I'll sleep in shorts around my friends. That's not weird, but... Right, it's not, it's not a modesty concern. Right. But it is a, like... You're you're sexying up. What's happening here? Yeah, it is strange. <laughs> but this is the night of homecoming for them, and they are not going yeah. because nobody asked them to go because 
Mara, Kate Mara, has written a newspaper article for her school newspaper saying, talking about how unfair it is that the guys get academic credit for going to football practice. Well, specifically, though, it the included picture. an expose with a picture of them sort of um, cross-dressing, I guess you can say, mm-hmm. in drag. I think it's more an embarrassment to them. Now, the question is, did she post it there in order to shame them? Because that would suck. Like, is there, or is she posting it? I don't think she's posting it there to be like, look at this horrible and sensitive thing that our football players are doing. I think it seems like it's a, look, I'm emasculating these men. I felt like it was more showing them being goof-offs who don't deserve academic credit. No, that, that makes a little bit of sense. But yeah, they obviously fucking hate that that picture went public. Yes. But so they start talking about, well, the friend goes, oh, guys, I have another ghost story. And the other friend goes, that wasn't a ghost story. That was an urban legend. Which in the making of, the director says, I think that all ghost stories are urban legends. Or all urban legends are ghost stories or something like that. But whatever. They did that so that they could again explain what an urban legend is and give us a couple of examples. And one of them, Kate Mara says, Bloody Mary. Yeah, and then her friend says what to her, hearing the name Bloody Mary. Who? Who's that? Oh, and like Bloody Mary. Who's that? And then Kate Mara explains Bloody Mary, for those of you that don't know. You say Bloody Mary three times into a mirror in your bathroom, and the dark, and then she appears in the mirror, right? Like, that's the thing that you do with the sleepovers. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't know that story? She explains it, and then that same friend... Who asked who? Says... I heard. She'll haunt you forever. What? Like, just the minimal amount of care. Yeah, just... Just the absolute minimum amount of just fucking paying attention. Just trying. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Then they're all laying there, and Kate Mara says Bloody Mary three times, but it's like, you're not looking in a mirror. Right. This is dumb. And then we get some scary cuts, because that's like... Oh, All yeah. this movie has going for it when uh-huh. it comes to scares. Just these flash cuts, yeah. Uh-huh. And we don't see what happens, but they it looks like they get attacked. Right. Well, one person does mention, the blonde does mention, that's just like that movie, Candyman. Oh, yes. And then the the brother, the twin brother David, oh, right. comes in and hits on one of the girls. Um, yeah, and Kate Mara's like, David. Like, uh-huh. She doesn't even get mad about right. her brother being a dick, but then she also makes a joke about how long it takes him to masturbate, uh-huh. and I'm like, who does that? <laughs> but he says that Bloody Mary comes before Candyman, so it's more likely the other way around, that Candyman's based on Bloody Mary. We are also introduced to Kate Mara and her twin brother's mother and stepfather. And the stepfather is running for mayor, but that really doesn't matter. It doesn't enter in at all. Except for the fact that one time, at one point, you see a completely inconsequential character, the sheriff, who has no impact on the plot whatsoever, is wearing a Bill Owens for mayor button. You could have done something cool with that. Like, all the people in this conspiracy or whatever are, like, connected to Bill, and then they find out Bill's the bad guy, and then you realize you can't trust anybody because they're wearing this button. You know, like... You could have done something cool with that. They do nothing cool with that. As a matter of fact, we only see Bill. Bill is the guy from the flashback. Sorry. (laughs) We don't see his two friends as adults. 
and we don't no, we see... Do. Coach Jacoby is one oh, of them. Oh, Coach Jacoby is one of them. Yeah, we get one, but not the other. We also see the queen. No reference that that's who she is. She's talked about after the fact. Yes. So, like... But the tanning bed guy's father we never see. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know. I feel like they could have tried with the intrigue a little bit. There's zero intrigue in this. Yes. I can't remember if I mentioned this beforehand. This Mary hasn't done anything yet. She's not a spirit. She hasn't killed anyone yet. Right. Oh, we forgot to mention the song that was playing when she's dancing with the guy. Oh, right. What's the song, Kelsey? Tell us about the song. So when the song started playing, I got really excited because I thought it was going to be a Dusty Springfield song. What song did I think it was? I don't know. I thought it was one of the songs from, uh, is it a song from Greece? Oh, Hopelessly Devoted. Hopelessly Devoted, yeah. I heard it after you said that. Uh-huh. But I was thinking of the Dusty Springfield song, You Don't Have to Say You Love Me. Though our time alone was short, I still hear the birds sing. When I said I needed you, not a shadow, not a trace. And I will always be there with you every single day. Beg you to come. But yes, I think it. they both sound a lot like this song. And this song was written for this movie. It appears at least, yeah. Meaning that they couldn't afford a, a real song from that time period, clearly. Yeah, they got an independent musician to record something just for them. I enjoyed they got the it song. Got it on Fiverr or something. But you can very <laughs> much tell that it is a ripoff of those songs. For sure. It's weird because it doesn't have, like, its own unique stamp. When it plays, the music itself is not like, oh, it's that music again. Like, you're just like, wait, is that that song again? Oh, they're playing that song again. It's not like, it doesn't carry any sort of tension along with it. You know, you don't hear it and you're like, oh, man. I did. Every time it came on, I was like, oh, she's going to kill somebody. Right, but it wasn't, like, exciting. You know what I mean? It just it, the, the it was just such a nothing song that didn't have like a good like fingerprint that you could trace throughout the entire movie other than acknowledging that that's the song. Well, if you look at the lyrics, they're very similar to the events. Like, uh-huh. you know, talking about their time alone together and then I will always be there, like, you know, yeah. stuff like that. That's what the song's called, by the way. Mhm. But so in the morning, the girls are gone. Like we said, they they did some scary cuts. And somebody attacked them. And remember, that was right after they had said Bloody Mary. So you're wondering, is it Bloody Mary? But no. It's not. They do this whole, like, scene where the parents and the and the uh, brother and the cops are all talking and freaking out. And they say the same dialogue twice. And I'm just like, you serious, guys? Yeah, uh-huh. We're doing all we can, but you have to understand, they're not officially missing for 24 hours. Yeah, but they are missing. Hello. That, that's it? Nothing? All right, well, you you just stay on top of this. Look, uh, when do we call in the FBI? Our hands are tied. We'll do all we can. Well, officially missing for 24 hours. But they are missing. Like we said, where is the care here? 
a whole day goes by. Yeah. Uh, school goes through, and we see in their science class that these two football players are like, oh, what's going on? Where are these girls? Yeah. And the third football player is like, don't even write about it because they're writing because they're in class. Yeah. And then his girlfriend is like, do you think the girls are okay? And he goes, Actually yeah. concerned, yeah. Um, Keep in mind this girl. This girl is aware that this thing happened and didn't do anything about it. That said, she's legitimately concerned about the well-being of these girls. She used to be best friends with Kate Mara. With Kate Mara, yeah. Her and Kate Mara are definitely the two best actors of the film. Absolutely. Uh, Of the whole movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Otherwise, this movie, all the acting is just terrible. These three football players are not good actors. No. Okay. So then Kate Mara shows up. Yeah. And we find out through the cops that... They're saying that they woke up locked in, in a room mill, yeah, and that they had to climb through a window to get out and it took them forever to find their way home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what happened. But they did find rohypnol in their yes, system. They were roofied, but they were not raped. Right. So then they ask them, like, who do you think did it? And they go, well, we think they did it to themselves. For attention. They say it, it's a possibility at least. They drugged themselves. Yeah, why would they need to drug themselves? Well, I guess to get the trace in their blood, I guess. I don't uh-huh. Know. Do and you have any record of them buying the Rohypnol from anybody? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, that's absolutely ridiculous. But Kate Mara is going to start seeing Mary in these, like, creepy shots that last for two seconds. It's all jump scares. It's all this movie is, like we said. Yeah, I wrote down, oh, no. That's Bloody Mary. Mm-hmm. She just bends over and stares at you. <laughs> and why is she looking at Kate Mara? Because she summoned her. I guess, but like the death stare to Kate, the girl you're not going to fucking touch. But we're supposed to not know that yet. Right, but but still, okay, that's fine. You should be able to take knowledge that you learn throughout a story and go back and apply that knowledge and it should all make sense. Well, in the sixth sense, we find that the, the ghosts can't help how frightening they look and they don't mean to be. <laughs> sure. Sure. This is exactly like the sixth sense. Mm-hmm. So in school, this is where Rooney Mara is going to show get up. A Rooney Mara cameo. This is the first movie she's ever been in, I think. Yeah, she's got like two lines where she says that, you know, my mom says the, the girls made it up. My mom says it was all a stunt. They did it to themselves. My mom says that it's all a stunt. They did it to themselves. And then the friend, the girlfriend of the guy who did it to them, tells them to shut up and mind their own business. Yeah, right? Like, okay. She seems like, yeah, she fucked up by cause going along with this. But like, she actually has these girls you know, wellness at heart. Oh, I have written down here, I guess we see the article at this point. It says, can football players pass? Now, is this a double entendre? Can they pass because of football? Uh. (laughs) Can they pass as in their classes? That's why they're getting credit for going to practice. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's you know, increasing their GPA or whatever. And can they get that pass? Yeah. And, and, can they pass as women? Is this the drag thing? Passing is a term that 
yeah, like has implications. So I'm not completely confident that this wasn't like a shame thing. Anyway, uh, football is uncapitalized and there is no question mark at the end of the question. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God, guys. If you zoom in on all of the, the articles and stuff, articles yeah, they're all movie, so bad. They are terribly <laughs> written. And I'm just convinced that the props person just did not give a shit. I have both of the articles that we see later all zoomed up on my screen right now. Terribly written. So back at her house, Kate Mara is talking to David. David really hates their stepdad. Although you don't really find out why. She really does not like him. Right. So the way that Kate Mara chooses to tell her brother who did it is just by circling their pictures in this in newspaper that article. article. That's where I saw the headline. And yeah, then uh -huh. handing it to him. And I'm like, why? Just say it out loud. Yeah, it's The audience so weird. needs to see that article. And then she goes, they just told us they wanted to talk. Meaning that that they cut showed where they up were that night and scared them and said they just wanted to talk and then somehow drugged them. Yeah, and then you drank drinks they offered. How, yeah, how did you? How did that work? Like not to victim blame. I'm, I just I don't believe that you would do that. Right. Not that you're the idiot. You no, got it's what you deserve. But writing. I don't believe that that would happen. Yeah. Yeah. So that gets her twin very mad. And so he goes after the dudes and he's like, I know it was you in the locker room. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, ask our dates. We were at the dance the whole night. And then he just gets pushed out of the locker room. Yeah. It's just like, what was the point of that scene? Oh, right. To make him now their suspect for who's doing it. Yeah. This is why they will think that he is killing them because of what they did to his sister. Such a stupid subplot. Yes. But so... One of the idiots is like, we got problem. <laughs> right, oh the blonde guy that looks like that guy from Veronica Mars. Yes, he looks a lot like Just like heavier, but like, yeah. He's got that same haircut and that same doofy look on his face. But then the girlfriend, like, is hanging out with them, and she, like, makes fun of her boyfriend's IQ, low IQ, and then he yeah. decides to push her so she leaves. Right. I guess to show that they're not on good terms. So she's an okay person, which is why she doesn't deserve what happens to her yeah, later. Uh-huh. But that's not about, it's not about what you deserve. It's about what you inherit. Yep. The sins of our fathers. Uh-huh. Okay. I understand that they did this on purpose. There is a tanning tanning salon where this woman works, and uh -huh. they're trying to make her seem like a bimbo. Yeah, and she's specifically doing it. To, like, get this guy that she's attracted to. Right, but, like, she's on the phone, and she mm -hmm. just keeps saying shut up over and over mm -hmm. again, and totally, and, you know, she's supposed to see, like, seem like a total bimbo. Mm -hmm. And I am, again, shocked that this is made by a woman. Yeah. This is not just a quick shot where it's just a funny thing. No, the camera zeroes in on her tits. Yeah, and it goes on and on, and it just makes her look stupid. And uh -huh. it's just like, really? A chick made this? Cool. Hiring a model, because you just need her to be a physical object. Yes. Not to say that that's all models are, but like that's why you, you paid for somebody to be a physical object in this movie. Mm -hmm. And has never acted before in their lives. Because mm -hmm. you weren't concerned about their acting. Mm -hmm. You just needed a pair of tits on screen. Yeah. But so the guy, one of the guys who drugged the girls, uh -huh. goes to get his tan. While in there, the song starts playing. Uh-huh. 
And then the settings turn way up. Yeah, because he had told her, I'm going to sit in there for a little bit. Just put it on really low. Uh-huh. And so she's not concerned that he's in there for too long. Right. But there's a ghost in the machine. Turns the, the heat up. But that does not explain why he can't lift the lid. Oh, totally. Nothing happens that traps him in there. Mm-hmm. And then it's when just they show the heat his turns up. burnt body, it's ridiculous. Yes, he's literally a charred corpse. This has happened in other movies, but we can never remember if it's... I know what you did last summer. Well, I know what you did last summer. I still know what you did last summer had that scene with Jennifer Love Hewitt where she survives, right? They bust in and they were like, unplug it from the fucking wall, you know, or... Uh, they're like, well, this, it won't open, it won't open, unplug it! <laughs> that happens, but there's a there's an actual kill. I think it's which in I, I one, think of, the it's in one of the Final Destinations. Movies. Right, I have not seen it, but I think it might, it's, it's in one of the early ones, I think. But he's dead. And they go to the funeral? Yeah. He just drugged you. And they go to the funeral, it's very And you strange. go to the funeral. And you could argue, well, it's a small town, everyone's there. No, everyone's not there. <laughs> Why are David and Sam at the funeral? Yeah, it's very strange. I'll tell you why. Because she needs need to, to watch yeah. jo- Coach Jacoby. Yeah. Which, why is she following him? I don't know. She sees him go to... Uh, the grave of grave. Mary, right? Yeah, so, and, like, leave a flower or something like that, and it says, like, beloved daughter or something. And you're like, wait, is he supposed to be her dad from a long time ago? Like, I just, nothing clicked for me there. I, I, I understand now, like, what the story is, because they spell it out for you later, but, like, this didn't seem like, oh, he's one of the guys who killed her. But that is what it is. He, yes. Well, um, he's one of the guys who drugged her yeah, friends. who didn't even kill her. But this guy, Coach Jacoby, we should point out, is played by Don Shanks. Don Shanks has been on the show a couple of times. Really? Yes. He is Michael Myers and the man in black in Halloween 5. Oh. You know, the one who blows up the jail and lets him out? Uh-huh. That's him. He was also in Silent Night, Deadly Night as one of the Santas, which I think I called out. He's, he climbs in the window and we never actually, it's just a random one. I think I called that out when we actually watched it. But also, he was Jason Longshadow in Sweet 16. Oh, that's right. You told me that. Yeah. Which is weird that he just keeps popping up in these movies. But <laughs> I, was Sweet 16 good? I remember liking it. It, it had a terrible ending. Thought it that's, was that be. must have been it. Had a terrible ending where she's like... And I mean, I don't want to spoil it for you, but I found out who the killer was, and now I'm crazy. <laughs> Much like Halloween 5. Exactly, which he was in. Anyway, go ahead. So later on, her old friend, the girlfriend of the football player, shows up at her house and gives her her homework, which I'm just like, wait. But, well, but we do understand that that is just a pretense to give her something. Yes, But why it not is. just give her that? But it's, yeah. Just go here. <laughs> it's very weird. I don't understand. Because they can't talk about it until it's too late. Yes, exactly. She can't tell her what she wants to tell her because she needs to die first. Yeah. It's dumb. So, it's I mean, dumb. she's going to look through all this stuff and it's newspaper clippings. Her and David look through them at one point. One of the articles says Pendleton, which is where the first movie takes place. But that's not what he says. That's right. 
what he says is Alpine University, even though it says Pendleton University. Alpine University is the university from the second movie. And Pendleton is the university from, from the, the first, first movie. movie. But I'll tell you why he says Alpine, because he says a teacher killed mm-hmm. a bunch of people. Which is not what the story was in the first movie. Right. And according to the second film, no one should have ever heard about what happened in the first one because they covered it up. Yeah, uh-huh. Which is why Rebecca Gayhart is still out there. Yeah, uh-huh. Anyway, so, but that 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 actually comes a little bit later, but I just want to say that's what they get in this envelope, is these, like, news articles. Oh, my God, the news article. Okay, so this was sent to Heather. Now, let's just get this out of the way. Heather is the daughter of... Of Dawn. The homecoming queen who was in on the practical joke on Mary. Okay. Practical joke in quotes. The assault and murder. I guess that's why she sent it to her? Can you think of any other reason why the hippie chick would have sent this to Heather? Because she had, she's been having visions that the children of the people who harmed Mary were going to be targeted. That's the plot, by the way. So she's trying to... She's trying to warn her? Warn her. And for whatever reason, she only reaches out to the girl. I mean, maybe she Why did she send her the information about Alpine or Pendleton? Oh, yeah, because of urban legends. Because the movie is really trying to force this urban legend thing, which Mm -hmm. is really, really awful. Trying to force the connection. Yeah, she is an urban legend who kills by using urban legends and like, ah. Which is another connection to Mary Lou, how they had to force that into being a sequel uh as well. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, it's just like, why did she send her this information? Why did she look this up? But yeah, it's just because uh, it looks like you're going to die from urban legends. So I was looking up urban legends and then I was like, oh, this happened. Here's some murders that are like urban legends. Yeah, no, so it doesn't make any sense. So I thought you'd like to sense. hear about that. It doesn't make any fucking sense. So anyway, at Heather's place. Oh, yeah. She goes to sleep. This goes is probably, bed. this is like the centerpiece of the entire fucking movie. Oh, yeah. This is a big scene. It goes on for a long a time. A long time. In the meantime, okay, she goes to sleep, but in the morning, well, first Sam off, is going to come and, and try to get to her place. But yes, first off, that night. The camera pans up to this doll. And at first you're like, is she going to make the doll come to life? Uh-huh. Is she going to get killed by a creepy doll? Kelsey. <laughs> Now, this doll has an open mouth with creepy teeth. And I'm just like, what doll has teeth like that? They Uh don't. But what's important is that out of this doll is going to come a spider. An orb weaver spider, yes. And I'm just like, why did the spider come out of the doll? It was living in there, and then it, 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 it climbs down and it crawls into Heather's mouth. Oh, yeah. Now, that's urban legend number one. You eat eight spiders a year or whatever in your sleep. Not true, by the way. That's urban legend number one. Urban legend number two, you wake up with what you think is like a spider bite or something like that or a zit. And it grows and grows. And then you find out that there were. Which we have seen. We have seen in scary stories to tell in the dark. Yes. Because that is a scary story to tell in the dark. That's in the books. Mm -hmm. They just took it from that. Yes. Uh, so that's what's going to end up happening to her. She's going to wake up and notice she has a zit. She's going to pop the zit on the mirror. Oh, it's so gross. Yeah. It's nasty. It's just really over the top. She wears these weird slipper. She's high... wearing heeled slippers. And yeah, again, I was shocked this is done by a woman. Yeah. And she brushes her hair 
with a round brush. Girls, if you do this, let me know. Yeah. Round brushes are for styling, not uh-huh. brushing. Like you're blow drying and you're, cur- you're like giving it a little wave. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. you roll the brush. It's not just for straight brushing your hair. No. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know that. <laughs> but anyway, she's looking at this fucking thing and then it starts sort of like pulsing. And this is the worst sort of After Effects two-dimensional squash and stretch distortion. It's like, it's like really, really like laughingly bad. It was still gross and I didn't like it. Because you couldn't look at it. But if you look at it, it's terrible. It's like hilarious how bad it is. But were you shocked to find out that they used real spiders here? Because you don't see a real spider in the fucking movie. They look all, they all look fake. They are all fake. But you you see in the behind the scenes that they put a real fucking orb weaver spider on her face. <laughs> they say like, well, it's been you know devenomed. It's been it doesn't it can't bite you or whatever. It's just the spider. Ah. But still, it's not used in the fucking movie. Mm-hmm. And if it is, it's hidden by all the really shitty fake spiders. Fake spiders. So yes, a, a it bursts open the sore. And a spider crawls out, and it's like a full-sized orb weaver spider, the same one we saw the night before. And you're like, okay, so I guess the orb weaver got under her skin somehow and then burst out of her cheek? That's weird. The whole ass spider was up in there. Why? Nope. Then more come out, and they're just full-grown spiders coming out of this thing. Just just this little bump in her cheek. Mm-hmm. Full-grown spiders. And I am not fucking with you when I say that there are at least a hundred spiders that come out of her. One hundred full-grown spiders come out of her. Where are these spiders hiding? Where are they supposed to have been contained? Why didn't she have a mouthful of fucking spiders when she woke up? Agreed. Like, it was was ridiculous how many spiders they expected you to believe were in there. She throws the first one down and steps on it with her bare feet, by the way. Yes, on carpet! I was just like, what? Wasn't she wearing those weird slippers? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. What the hell? But she freaks out. She smashes the the mirror in front of her and falls to her knees. And she has two big pieces like horns. Yes, the glass coming out of uh, the skin on her forehead. And instead of like lifting them up because she's freaking out because she's covered in spiders crawling all over her, she just pulls them down. Ah! rips off the skin on her face. The scene goes on and on. Aside from the spiders, that glass thing was real fucking cool. And you thought that was cool, too. Very scary. But it was a great effect. Yes. Whoever was responsible for that one, awesome. We saw it in the making of. Yeah, I know. Whoever did the copying and pasting of the CG spiders, what the fuck were you thinking? (laughs) Jesus, it was terrible. I wrote down, the spiders are still coming out. Because after she has like a hundred fucking spiders all over her, you you get close-ups and they're still coming out of that wound in her cheek. It's like, where are they? Is there a portal inside her skin? What is happening? I wrote, she's more spider than woman at this point. Agreed. Yes. I, yeah, but it's very effective. (laughs) And Kate Mara, because they live right next to each other, hears her screaming, climbs in through the window, sees the spiders scurrying 
running away, but her friend is already dead. And nobody believes her when she said there were spiders there. Yeah. So they, none of those spiders bit her? They assume that she dropped acid, but I'm like... But, and ripped off her face, yeah. But if you took acid, wouldn't that be in... I don't know enough about it. Wouldn't that be in your bloodstream? I don't know. I have I no mean, they idea. knew the, the rehypnol was in their right, bloodstream. Right, but some drugs are... I don't right. know. They're, they affect you differently. Right, totally. But no spider bites? Not a single one? Right. Agreed. But maybe because she pulled her skin down. They were crawling all over her body. They scurried away. They showed that when she No, when I understand, but in. like bites all over her body. Anyway. But so because she's the one that called it in, the football player is convinced that she killed her. They're also convinced that the brother killed the guy at the tanning salon. Yeah. Even though... Nobody saw anybody in there. And the first time later on in the movie when they confront each other, when the football player's like, hey, you, all they go is like, you really think we did it? We didn't do it. Okay. And that's that's the end of that whole entire subplot. It's ridiculous. When Sam comes back to school and sits down in science class, her friends actively... Uh, get up after she sits down next to them and walk away, somehow, like, making a point, and you're like, I guess they think that she did it, too? I wrote, but why would her friends think that she killed them? Yes, why would her friends think that? And even if they did, why would they react in that way as if to shun her socially because she was a murderer? Yes, and then on top of that, the next time we see them, They're talking to her, yeah, uh uh-huh. No issues. And no sympathy for the jocks getting killed. Yeah. And it's like, wait, so wait, what are you upset about and why? The only thing I could believe is that they're upset that they got drugged and left overnight and had to climb through a window and through the forest and everything like that because she was so insistent upon reporting that story that they didn't want her to do anyway. But that's not what we get. We get it after Heather's death. We don't get it before Heather's death when they get back to school. That doesn't happen there. Yeah. I could understand it if it was there, but it's not. No other explanation makes any fucking sense whatsoever, especially considering the next interaction we have later on, like you mentioned. If you don't care about your movie, why should I? Exactly. So, Kelsey, it's a really important lesson that Ren and Stimpy taught me. Don't whiz on the electric fence. (laughs) They have a whole song. Yeah? Yes. When nature's calling, don't be stalling. Use your common sense before you let it flow. Find a place to go, just don't whiz on the electric fence. This is a real thing. So the Mythbusters tested this. There was a myth early on in like the first season or something like that of uh, pissing on the third rail. Could you die that way? And they busted it because by the time your urine stream as a dude gets to your feet, it's been separated into droplets by that point. And so there's no way for the electricity to conduct up a stream because it it can't get from drop to drop. So, no, busted. But they revisited it in a later season because somebody's like, well, what about electric fences? Because they're a lot closer to you. Mm-hmm. And they said that, yes, that is plausible. Uh, that you very much could electrocute yourself. Now, would it kill you? I mean, probably not. Why is there an electrified fence three feet from a public street, first of all, let alone an electric fence that could kill you with the amount of electricity in it? That seems irresponsible. Yes, it does. But the other football player pisses on the electric fence and 
it blows up his crotch and then his zipper gets this cheap lightning effect like <laughs> that little residual lightning oh, yes, effect on yeah. the zipper uh-huh. oh my god <laughs> it's so ridiculous it's so silly uh-huh i'd like to point out do you remember where he was driving to no i don't he was driving to meet the other football player The other football player, the last thing he had said to him was, get some gas cans and meet me at the park at midnight. Yeah, we never find out what that's about. What the fuck was he going to do to these two people? Uh Uh-huh. Was he going to light them on fire? No, we need another connection to Hello, Mary Lou. Also, when they find him, the cops, he's missing a finger. And the cop says, hey, you ever hear that story about drinking a beer and finding a finger at the bottom of the bottle? Yeah, which is not the story. The story is (laughs) it's a tequila bottle, and instead of the worm, it's a finger. Which is what actually happens later on. He's drinking a bottle of tequila. Oh. Mm. Not that he ever sees it. I feel like Mary shows it to him. Right before he dies. No, he she kills him with the bottle. Right, and she shows it to him, and he freaks out, and then she smashes the bottle. Mm. I th- I feel like that might have happened. But yeah, not like it has any effect on him whatsoever. I mean, she's going to slash his fucking throat. <laughs> what is that one little thing going to matter? This is where Sam is going to show David the newspaper article about Mary, and they're going to read about the Alpine University. But- I'm sorry, I thought you meant it was the... Pendleton University, Kelsey. Mm-hmm. The weird thing is that they chose to uh, put a date on that. 1988. Why? I why? don't know why. So weird. No, yeah, see, here it is. As one college, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, uh, uh, unintelligible to urban legends as one college student murders other students in what appears to be a copycat killing of the legends that we grew up with. They're specifically talking about Rebecca Gayhart here. Apparently, the young lady, a member of the group of kids she ended up murdering, did so to avenge an accidental killing of her fiancé. This is literally an article about what happens in the first movie. And it's 1988. What? Why even add the date? But so life is very strange. Yeah, life is very strange. It really happened. I wrote down, what the fuck does this have to do with Mary? Why are there one, two, three different colors of highlighter plus red pen, black pen, blue ink? What is going on here? Remember, she's stoned out of her mind. She's stoned out of her mind, which is like a huge deal according to this. It's like alcoholism. Right. Like at one point, it's like. Are they acting like she just did heroin? Like, yeah, like what? she passes out uh-huh. when she's out until uh-huh. they need her to be up again. But anyway, so they think that this is a copycat killer. That's why they bring it up. No, that's why they that's, think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's not what the hippie chick who sent it to her thinks. Anyway, How did they find her? Well, because they go, they're, they're going to look it up, but they have dial up at home. So oh, they so need they go to, to go school. to the school and they're being followed by Coach Jacoby and he's there. Who he ends up tells picking them, to them leave. out. But not before they find out that one of the girls that Mary was friends with committed suicide. Committed suicide. The other one, though, is still alive. That's Grace Taylor, played by Tina Lifford. We haven't mentioned it, but it doesn't really fucking matter. Throughout this thing, Kate Mara keeps getting images 
of flashes Mary yeah. and finds out that Mary was stuffed into the trunk, finds uh-huh. out that Mary was still she alive. She just doesn't know where the trunk is. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I wrote down here that Coach Jacoby looks like Razor Ramon. He looks like an older Razor Ramon. <laughs> Sorry, he does. So they decide to go and visit Grace. So when they get to Grace's house, as they're walking up, there's like this zoom in on the door. Yeah. And it's just, it's such pathetic, like, attempts at jump scares. Yeah. And they're just so bad. Very bad. But when they go to knock at the door, she opens the door and she says... Yeah, Angela Davis was a civil rights activist. She was a member of the Black Panthers. She was also a communist. And she was arrested and held without trial for over a year because guns that were registered under her name were used in a crime. And so the whole free Angela Davis thing is let her out of prison. Eventually, she was exonerated and she was allowed to leave. But she has been a sort of civil rights activist for a very long time. That's a very, very high level telling of what happened. So, like, don't come at me that, oh, you got that wrong or whatever. You know, it's very high level. She is a black civil rights activist who was imprisoned. She shuts the door in their faces, but then David says, power to the people. And she opens it up and she goes, right right on. on. And she lets them in. She's great. She's awesome. She's the best character in the fucking movie. Yes, she's fantastic. Forget, I forgot about her when I said the other two girls were the best actors. She's great. She's good, yeah. So while her and Sam go to make tea, David goes into her art room and sees that she's been painting all the things that have happened to everybody so far. And other deaths that have not happened yet. Yes, and he'll steal some of her artwork. He's assuming that she's the killer, and yeah. I can see why. Uh-huh. I can see why. Sure, yeah. Grace will tell us that Heather, who died, was Dawn's daughter. Yes, and she will explain that the reason that the football players did the prank was because... <laughs> we they... didn't worship them like everyone else. Uh, just... But you didn't show that. Right, give us a better reason than that. Mm-hmm. That's bullshit. What we did see doesn't support that. Mm-hmm. But whatever... This movie just has zero... Just This is also where she says there were five of them? yes. And th- there have to be five, because there's five deaths, or almost. Yeah, it's just the three football players and Heather are the only deaths, right? Right, but she hasn't killed the fifth person who doesn't have a child to be killed. Yeah, so there are three football players that die. Three football players that die. Samantha's friend dies, the girlfriend. Uh-huh. And the guy that actually killed her... Who her, we know her date, is Mary's date. Yeah, Mary's date. Who we know we've said we said earlier is the stepdad. He hasn't had any kids die, right? So why did three football players die? Because there's five people, right? But there's no fifth person. I know we mentioned that she gets the numbers wrong, but like it didn't register that yes, there were two have been no. By the end, there are five deaths in addition to the date. Because I'm sorry to say, but David's gonna die. Oh, yeah. So, like... But not because of Mary. No. Because their stepdad will kill him. <laughs> but that, that would be, like, one of his kids, right? So, they have his last name. So, like... I, why not just add one more person in that scene? Yeah, it's... Yeah. How do you miscount like that? Mm-hmm. 
Nazis. Yeah, they did not care. It wow. did not matter to wow. them. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. That's why this movie is garbage. Uh-huh. So we're going to do the hand licking scene. Well, let me just say a few more things about the scene with Grace. Uh-huh. Grace explains that Mary always had a very strong energy life force. And that nothing ever dies. We simply change mm-hmm. form. I so, so I think to an extent that might be true, scientifically speaking. But like, oh, but your spirit sticks around. And like, no, I, I personally think that's bullshit. But I think this is a great analogy. Where she says like water turns into ice. Ice turns into water. Water turns into steam. Steam turns into water. Like that's what we're talking about here. It's all the same thing. It's always there. It just changes form. Mm -hmm. Like that's a great analogy. Grace is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) She's the one who explains that children will always suffer the sins of their fathers. Uh That Mary is taking their children away from them. That's the punishment she's giving them. She's not attacking them directly. And she thinks that once she's had killed these people, she'll be done. But she goes, but she doesn't really know. Who knows when she'll stop. She always had to have her way. Really, we never learned anything about Mary when she was alive, other than what we hear through Grace. So, like, why couldn't we see any of that and maybe a flashback or two or something? They try to get her to tell them who the names are of the dates, but she refuses to. She, If I wouldn't tell then, I won't tell now. Yeah. She says they were football players. Now, later on, she's also going to say, anyone could have fucking figured it out. Right, All you yeah. have to do is look at the pictures. Uh-huh. No one ever fucking did. So they will look at the pictures later. I've worked at schools. I've never worked at a school where they had a photographer going around taking oh, pictures. Oh, I'm sure. During the dance. I've seen, you know, like, date pictures. Right, but, you know, they these pictures end up in, like, the yearbook. There's somebody from the yearbook committee taking photos. I guess photos. they could be yearbook yeah. photos. That's a good point. You're right. You're right. And you're right. The one that they finally do look at, mm-hmm. he's covering his face. In one shot, but later on... When they go to the school and go through the slides, she sees the face and then looks through, or he does, David does, looks through the yearbook and finds out that her date was their stepdad. Because he thinks that she's the killer, they do not ask about all the other premonitions, but also that would mean that he'd have to admit that he went into that room, I guess. Yeah. So Buck is scared. Buck is the football player. I don't know who he thinks is the killer now, but he thinks somebody is going to kill him. Right, because they meet up. This is where, and they're like, you think we killed people? And he's like, oh, guess not. And then that's, that fucking ends right there. So he goes to stay in a hotel room. Yep. With his dog. And we finally get the dog death, which... The licking the hand. Which is this, the thing that she was trying to do in her movie in two. Yeah, and uh, the actress that plays Mary says in the behind-the-scenes stuff that... She doesn't hurt anybody that hasn't hurt somebody else. Well, except for the dog, right? But, like, also, I don't know, arguably Heather. Yeah. But anyway, they just needed that moment and didn't care how it fit into their narrative. Oh, I did skip the fact that he does explain, the football player says, my dad told me that they did it to girls in high school. Yeah, that's where where I got the plan Uh from. And that's where... They're like, oh, who's his dad? They start or, to no, they know his out. dad is Coach Jacoby, and right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes, we get the thing that the dog licking people can lick too. <sighs> a couple problems. First of all, we get the almost gets crushed by a vending machine gag. Yes, 
which they mentioned early on. And then later the friend is going to say, I heard he got crushed by the vending machine. And it's like, how would anyone have heard about that? Because that's not at all what happened. I wrote, why would the vending machine thing even be a point in the story to be confused as the way he died? He died in his room with his throat slashed repeatedly and his dog mutilated. Why would anyone even know that the vending machine fell Why would over? anyone care that the vending machine fell? How could that turn into... A, a, you know, the game of telephone where it turns out that's the way he died. How would that even happen? I also fucking hated that she wrote on the mirror, people can look lick too. She's not a person. Well, that's not <laughs> my point. No one licked his hand. No, they did. He had his hand down and the dog was licking it the whole time. And then right before he went and looked in the bathroom, something was licking his hand. Was it? Yeah. And then he went to the beth- bathroom and then he saw the dog and then he saw the people can lick too. She's not a person also. So are we to believe? So like in that urban legend, it's supposed to be some creepy psychopath under your bed licking a young girl's hand. Are we to believe that Mary, the ghost spirit of vengeance, is sitting under the bed licking this teenage guy's hand? Is that the visual that's supposed to be conjured up into our heads as creepy? From the grudge that they think is creepy, right? But I mean, that that the reason that it's creepy is it is a young girl looking to her dog for comfort and a weird man psychopath licking her hand. Like that is creepy. And then they were they. Changed all the elements around and made it way less creepy. Uh, if if only to have a ghost just licking a dude's ha- hand, being like, oh man, when he finds out this isn't his dog, it's going to blow his mind. Like, no, fuck you. But yes, she attacks him. She breaks the bottle after showing his friend's finger was in there. Slashes his throat. He's dead. I, I can't remember... Yeah, I think the song might have been playing, but then the song changes to something else. And oh, he's like, watching porn. They... He's watching porn, but he hasn't paid for it, so it's just flickering in and out. And apparently that's the that's scene... That's the scene from Urban Legend's Final Cut. Where she's dreaming about having yes. sex with Trevor. Uh-huh. You can just make it out. Uh, the audio's not that, but the video is. But it was a laughable scene where she slashes oh, yeah. him. Oh, totally. It's really bad. Back at school, Coach Jacoby is there. And he's inconsolable, and they're like, why is he so inconsolable? We know his son was murdered, and he showed up to school the next day. (laughs) But who tells her this? Her friends. Her friends, who seem completely unaffected by the fact that Buck was straight up murdered. By a hooker, apparently, is what everyone's saying. We We have accidental burning in a tanning salon. Well, she shouldn't have taken that PCP and ripped off her face. Uh, oh, he whizzed on an electric fence. Like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Fucking murdered. Not even a concern. But remember, they were concerned when, what, Heather ripped off her face, right? That's when they were concerned? Yes. Something like that. But, like, so... I, I, yeah. But they say, don't be concerned about his well-being. He wasn't concerned with ours. Yeah, which is very valid. But then why were they pissed off at her before? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I totally agree. This is when I wrote down how obvious it was that the stepdad was the killer. Yep. It was just like, oh, my God, we get it. So David goes to the school while Sam goes to see Grace, right? David goes to see Grace first. Okay. Remember, he walks in. Yeah. Why is the door open? Oh, for the cats. Okay. She also calls him an X-Man. 
And I was like, what? Why is she calling him an X-Man? That's weird. But so she was going to hit him with some bug spray. Which yes. That was cute. Which she had in her pocket, which is going to come up briefly later in a single callback. And he does say that she looks like Foxy Brown. Yes. Callback to, to the second film. To sort of like film. butter her up. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is where she says anyone could have known if they'd looked at the pictures. Yeah, That's so why he, he goes the to idea. the school. Yeah. And Kate Mara is going to be sitting at home looking at her own trunk, and then her own trunk is going to start to shake, uh, shake, and that's where she realizes that she's in a trunk. But I'm like, but wasn't that what all your... Oh, no, then she's put into the room of the school in her dream. Oh, yeah. And Uh so she realizes where she is. So she has to go get David. That's why she goes to Grace's house. Yes. David, meanwhile, is at the school, finds out that Mary's date is their stepdad. And then he leaves... Mary shows up, and Grace is passed out on the couch, and Mary looks so disappointed in her. It's really bad. I wrote, I love how disappointed they keep being about her smoking pot, like she's doing heroin. So she tells her, well, you missed your brother. He's already at school. She's like, well, he has my keys. What am I supposed to do? You're going to have to take me to go and find her. And they're going to have a conversation about Mary. And she says, I'll only go with you if you promise that you'll find her and you will bury her. Because that's what she thinks will stop this. Uh She needs to be put to rest. But for some reason... Kate Mara knows exactly where she is, right? Because she was sent the image. Yeah. And we're going to find out that Grace has been getting images all this time, but she's never been shown? She's never gone, and she's never been shown. Yeah. Mary's best friend has never been shown where her body is, but this little girl, who's not even blood-related to anything, and remember, this is all about generational guilt and all of that, never shown to Grace, but shown to Sam. It's... Okay, fine. Just ridiculous. She's walking through and she's getting flashes. Oh, that's the door. But the signs changed. But that's the door. So she goes in there. She breaks off the lock. No, she tries, fails, and then unlocks itself. She opens it up and she finds Grace's dead body. And she scoops up her whole dead body. And she gets attacked, I think. Does she get attacked by Jacoby? Or is it her stepdad at this point? I don't remember. Well, we don't ever see who it is. But somebody attacks her. Somebody attacks her. Now, what pisses me off about that is that at one point, he's going to full-on attack her as she gets into her car. She's going to be able to see him. Now, the camera... Camera can't, but she can. She could. Uh Uh-huh. While she's being chased... Outrageous. She trips over like a bucket or something and drops the dead body and all the bones scatter. And she's like picking up individual ribs and stuff. And I wrote, oh, no. Oh, no. Is there going to be a final act twist that she didn't pick up one of the bones that she dropped? And so Mary is going to continue to haunt people even after she gets her revenge? No, thank God, no. Nope, they don't even fucking bring it up. When she gets outside to the van, she just just slams the body down on the ground while she tries to get the van open. It's like, it's not even a concern. So why did we even have that moment? I wrote down the exact same thing. I was like, did she just, like, throw that body she down? plops the body down. Yeah, um, <laughs> hold on. You skipped over the fact that David's dead. You oh, yeah. Dead, David dead. Yeah, uh, we don't find out it's him, but uh, he goes back home, and the stepdad puts a bag over his head. Yes, but we didn't see who it was. Yeah, but we David We still didn't knows. know who it was. Yeah, David finds out because he looks in the yearbook, but, but we, we don't see. But we didn't see the picture. Yeah, uh-huh. He gets home and he's like, it's quiet. And he's like, oh, I mean, come on. Would you? Sometimes at night your home's quiet. 
<laughs> Sam, <laughs> where are you? Yeah, David's just fucking dead. I thought, well, maybe they find out that he had, you know, passed out or something like that, but he was able to be recovered. No. No, he is He's dead. just dead. Mm-hmm. And not in an eventful, emotional way. It, she'll get that information just kind of dropped on her in a pivotal moment, and then she'll never even think about it again. Oh, and at this point, Grace is passed out. Yes. And cannot uh-huh. be woken up. And she says, geez, that must be some chronic. Right. Like, the only time they treat it as if it's a funny thing. Uh-huh. The All rest the rest, it it's is- like, oh, it's such a sad state of affairs. Mm-hmm. Kelsey, it's so sad. She's addicted to the weed. Yes. Reefer madness. You ever suck dick for weed? <laughs> Marijuana? Man, this is some bullshit! Marijuana is not a drug. I used to suck dick for coke. I seen them! Now that's an addiction, man. You ever suck some dick for marijuana? Huh? No. No, I can't say I have. I didn't think so. Fool this man! (laughs) (laughs) Boo this man! (laughs) I also thought it was weird that she decides to call her stepdad and not her mom. She makes a phone call and tells him where she is. Well, he's the one that asked them for information if they ever had it. True. Yeah, earlier, his bad acting. If you have some real information, you better tell me. Stop fooling around. It's real bad. I also love that this whole drive, like when she's on the phone and she throws it, fucking cell phones. She's just not concerned about the fact that Grace is just passed out. Yeah. Not Mm -hmm. waking up at anything. Yeah. Does hair not decompose? I don't think in that way, no. It stops growing. It's a myth that your nails and your hair continue to grow. What's happening is your your corpse is desiccating and uh, your skin starts peeling back and shrinking and and, um, losing moisture. And so it reveals more of your hair and your nails. Lovely. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so she's trying to, with the shovel that she brought from Grace's, Grace's home, house, yep. mm-hmm. uh, she's trying to dig up the grave for Mary and to put her body in there. But the ground is frozen, so she's not making any progress. So her stepdad shows up. because she told Oh, I got him, your message. Yeah, she I'm told here to him, help. He, she, he was at the cemetery. We'll do anything to help you, so my daughter. He says, here, give me the shovel. I'll take care of it. And he keeps probing her for information. Who did you tell? Who Does your you mother tell? know about this? Does your mother this? know? Yeah. No, just me and David. And then he knocks her out, or tries to. He hits she her. is she okay. Runs away. Yes. Uh huh. Getting hit in the face with a shovel, a okay. Yeah. Uh huh. She ru- she hides. So there's a lot of like dancing around headstones. And by the way, you'll notice when we see the back of Grace's headstone that it's resting on top of the snow. Oh really? Whoever the set decorators were, they just like found a spot. They put a tombstone. They didn't think about the fact. That the snow would fall around it and on top of it, but not magically underneath it. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Well, like we said, we're supposed to have not known this entire time that it was her stepdad and it could not have been more obvious. But this is supposed to be a big reveal when it's him. Uh, This is when Grace will suddenly show up because, you know, Uh K-Bar is in trouble, so she needs to be rescued, so now Grace has to wake up right She tries to get him with the bug spray, but fails. Yes, he knocks her down. And then, like, 
as he's looking for Kate Mara, he says, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm sorry I hit you. I have anger management problems, but I'm fine now. What the fuck? Well, she's so trying bad. anything. It's so, so bad. He does end up finding her and hitting her and well, dragging her. He says, what's going to happen to your mom if I go to jail now that David's dead? Yes. And I was just like, what? Yeah, he just dropped that on her. I think what that's... is this twisted logic? What mm-hmm. does David have to do with you going to... It's so I think weird. she'll feel better if you go to yeah, jail, exactly. actually. Exactly. But so he drags her by one leg, which I thought yeah, was interesting. Yeah, was awkward. And then he goes to decapitate her with the shovel. Uh-huh. But he is stopped. Yep. Oh, we didn't mention this. I really meant to say this earlier. When they're talking about Bloody Mary at the very beginning of the film... Uh-huh. They say... And if you look at her, well, then you have to turn the lights back on before she drags you in. In where? I don't know. In the mirror? We're going to see where they get dragged into Uh here. There are going to be some lights. So she shows up first and attacks him before he can kill her. The song is going to start playing. Oh, yeah. And the the headlights of the van start flashing. (laughs) Oh, we haven't mentioned that the couple of times that we have seen Mary, like, kill people, she's been all ring girl-like. Yeah, We didn't uh-huh. mention that. Oh, like, yeah, when she comes out of the un- from under the bed in the... That felt very Sixth sense to me. Well, yeah, because of... She pushes of the... Ch- the What's-her-face that, yeah, is under there. But what's very Samara about it... She's got the black hair. Yeah, she has the black hair, but when she pulls herself out from under the bed, it's very obvious that they that she pushed herself in and they played it in reverse because she leads with her hair. Her hair goes out first. Ah. Which is what happens when you see Samara come out of the well. The hair comes out first. Oh. Because they just filmed her going in and then they reversed that. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah. I, I say Samara, but it's also Sadako. And first Sadako. <laughs> but yeah, she, like, comes out and she's just normal old Mary. And, like, pulls him in to this magical, mystical world. It's like a portal. Well, so she. It is amazing. She turns. So she has, like, a conversation about it. I'm not even mad, or whatever it is she says, right? She turns on him, and then she, like, breathes rocks on him. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and like she, yeah, at first she's all pretty and sweet, uh-huh. and she's the regular girl, and then she turns into the hideous version and of herself. Him, and then she's like, ah, and like flies coming out of her mouth, it's her. like rocks and pebbles. Come at him. And then they swirl around. More weight. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I <sighs> I guess she's taking him down into the grave with her. Yeah, that's what I think is happening. And so but then the fucking lights, the light show yeah, is just it's really fucking bad. fantastically bad. And Grace goes far out, which I like. So they're there together and they're like leading on each other. Oh, my God. Thank God. It's over. Fades down. Fades back up again. It's day. We're still at the cemetery. We see police and ambulances and they're they've dug up the stepfather's body from the grave. He is dead. And then we see Sam and Grace still fucking sitting there. They stayed there. They've already been bandaged up. The whole night? Yeah. And they're still there. Your brother is dead. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. It's so silly. And uh, Grace says they're saying he died of a heart attack. 
And she go and Kate Mara's like, I guess this is just going to become another ghost story. Again, her brother just died. Her brother is dead. And she's not upset at all. And the girl goes, uh, Grace says, you're the urban legend now. And that's the end that's of the, the end movie. That's the end of the movie. Kelsey. Garbage. This garbage has a Rotten Tomatoes score. There are only six reviews, but it still has a score. So it's not a zero? It isn't a zero. Out of six? Yeah. The math doesn't add up. Oh. Sorry. Okay. It is, a round, it is a round number. Is it, is it a 2%? 40%. 40%. Yeah, and looking at some of the reviews. Oh, it's only five reviews. Never mind. That's why it's a round number. I don't know why I wrote down six. One review says that Kate Mara is a surefire saving grace. One just has a score, three out of five. Are you fucking kidding me? Three out of five? What is your basis for comparison? Right. I wonder what your basis for comparison is. Dread Central said there's really nothing remarkable about Urban Legends Bloody Mary, which is a shame because its premise is one ripe with possibilities. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hold uh-huh. the fucking phone. Yes. Two. Part two. Yes. Got what? Nine? Nine. And this has a 40. Yes. See, this is why reviews are bullshit. But no, but it's also because of like large numbers, right? There are only five reviews, so it doesn't take much to get it a high. It only takes two people that are like, oh, I guess it was okay, to, to give it a higher score, right? Um, that's the nature of Rotten Tomatoes in general. But Okay, so there's that one. That's a two and a half out of five, which is also too high. A two out of five, blatantly obvious that the script has nothing to do with the actual Urban Legend series. <laughs> that's from FilmCritic.com. And from Real Film Reviews, it's R-E-E-L. You know, like real big fish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like a film reel. Uh, is a one out of four. And the, the quote they pulled for it was, though it's purportedly the third installment of the ongoing Urban Legends series, Bloody Mary feels more like a half-baked ring ripoff than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very obvious that this did not start life as an Urban Legend movie. Or if it did... I don't know. It seems I I don't know how to explain that. It's garbage. Oh, we're taking it into the supernatural like they did with I know what you did last summer. Junk. There's not Trash. a single time they've done that where it hasn't been absolute garbage. So, I mean, at least that we've seen. Maybe we'll see something that's good when they do that. Uh no metacritic, no cinema score. So, would you say that this movie is underrated or would you say that it is overrated? I'm going to say overrated. Okay. How overrated, though? What are you going to give it? I'm going to give it a 13%. Okay. Why 13? Because as much as I love Grace. Yeah. And the spider scene is pretty gnarly. And Kate Mars fine. That's as much as I could give it. Interesting that you chose 13. I'm sort of vacillating between 10 and 15, which is on either side of your score. Because mm-hmm. there are things I liked about it. So I, I don't think I could give it a zero out of anger or anything. I'm not really mad at it. But like like we discussed, it's they obviously didn't care. Didn't care. Didn't mean, mean anything to them, which is funny because in the making of, she makes it seem like it's a huge deal. Yeah. It's just like they didn't put any effort into it. 
And if they, yeah, like you say, if they didn't care about the movie, why should we? But there were things I liked. I liked Grace. Kate Mara was, I mean, I'm not sort of like retroactively assigning her greatness because she's an actress now, like a quality actress now. I mean, she was fine, but her character was like a nothing character. That ripping the face off effect, that was cool. Mm -hmm. I think you liked this movie less than I did. So I'll go with 15. Okay. I wouldn't want to steal the lower grade from you. (laughs) All right. That is Urban Legends. We are done. That's it. We're not coming back to it unless they make unless another they one. Unless they make a fourth. Which I'm sure they are. There's always something in pre-production. <laughs> uh, real, real disappointment for Mary Lambert, man. That's – we have seen Pet Cemetery 1 and 2. I mean, Pet Cemetery was from the first episode we ever did. It's where we got our fucking name. Well. From the Stephen King story. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but still. Like, yeah, and we're not saying, like, it's a great movie. Like <laughs> – those Pet Cemetery and Pet Cemetery 2, but we They're really enjoy goofy, them. But yeah. we really like we them. We really enjoy them. There's extremely little to enjoy in this movie. Yes. It's it's remarkable how this is like the most recent thing we've seen from her, and it's absolutely the worst. Yes. I don't know how that happens. It's because she didn't have the good source material. No, she did have the good source material. She just had bad resources i feel like she's a director and a lot of the stuff is like we got bad actors we got bad special effects we got bad editing no money was the directing in particular awful i mean eh, i wouldn't like nothing she did those cuts is kind of but again is that the editor's fault she as the director we have we tend to have this like auteur theory right that they're the ones responsible for everything not every director gets to be in the editing room when they edit the movie Maybe it was just a a gig, just a paid gig. She showed up. She did the direction. She left. Maybe this is not indicative of her skill as a director, but it is something put out with her name on it. And it's awful. It's Mm -hmm. god awful. Yes. Bummer. But that's Urban Legends, both Final Cut and Bloody Mary. Kelsey, what are we watching next week? Next week is the 4th of July. Woop woop. So we are going to watch... Uncle Sam. About a killer Uncle Sam who's upset that people are not patriotic enough. Yes. And a movie called You Are Not Alone about a woman, well, a college girl coming home for the summer. Yeah, the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is next week. Until then, you can always find us at our website, podcemetery.com, and on Twitter, at podcemetery. Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there, but even bigger than that, sharing us with your friends, and even bigger than that, is listening in the GD first place. Thank you very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Urban legend, my ass. And Sweat, baby. OJ left more blood than that on the Bronco. Yes. 
Some big-breasted bimbo running up the stairs when she should be running out the front door. It is insulting. It means I gave you an A in sound for nothing. Was he going to light them on fire? No, we need another connection to Hello Mary Sue. Mary Lou. Yes, there's a Debbie Sue character. Sorry. Power to the people. Free Angela Davis. What's happening? But like, I for completely did. It blew my mind. It, I forgot. Sorry. Until then, you can always find us otter. 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 You can always find us otter. <laughs>